Welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. This episode is brought to you by one of the oldest manufacturers of ice fishing products out there, Jiffy Ice Augers. Find out more about Jiffy Ice Augers and all their ice fishing products, head over to jiffyonice.com and see their selection today. And here we go, episode 122. Welcome everybody, thank you for tuning in today. And uh, Tristan and I here on the on the intro and it was a sunny, beautiful day out there today, and I'm pretty pumped about that. Tristan, how you feeling? Oh man, great! And uh, not just not just the weather wise, but I think this is one of our first podcasts back in it at the uh, the interpersonal level, face to face, and it felt good to get a little food on the table. It felt good to be there sitting face to face with our, our guest Quinn and Blair. Oh man, it was a. Uh... It was awesome. It it felt kind of felt like old times, and it was like you said. It was nice to look look person in the eye and have a conversation. And it was it was, it was a funny, uh, like a funny turn of events there because we kind of sat down and just started BS, and then it was all of a sudden like, all right, let's get the mics on here. This is some good stuff we're rolling into. So, um, if I mean, if people don't know Quentin Blair, uh, you should definitely look him up. Great musician. Gave us a real real look behind the scenes of the country music scene here in Manitoba and the country music scene in general. I really love listening to him talk about uh, writing music with some of those big name fellas. And uh, I love hearing a story about how he's kind of building his life to, uh, you know, own his sunsets. Oh yeah. He's uh, we had some great conversations around that. And I, it was just amazing how he, was able to kind of weave his, his musical life in with his, his lifestyle or, you know, his, his lived on the, on the earth kind of life. The, the, the two were so connected and uh, it's kind of funny though, because the, the more, and I, th- I think this happens every time we interview a musician, at least for me though, like you, you get talking music with these, these folks a little bit and you think, you know, a little bit about music and the more you talk to them, they just, they take it to the next level and all of a sudden you realize that you don't know nothing about music. Uh, these folks have been living it, breathing it for so long and they, they just do it cause they're so passionate and, and love it. And so it, it's always a real treat to, to kind of get the behind the scenes look on that in so many levels. Right. Oh man. It's so funny when you're, when, I mean, I'm sure Quentin's in it every day, talking it, chit-chatting with band members or whatever. And it's like, here comes us kind of, you know, we like music, but we're not yeah. in the scene and it's, yeah. I know Sturgill Simpson. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then he's explaining how his daughter is, is starting to learn to analyze song lyrics. And I, I'm just catching up to the fact that maybe I'm singing songs that, uh, I don't really know what they mean in the first place here. <laughs> yeah. It's good music though. It's good music. Yeah. Oh, it's catchy as heck. Yeah. Catchy as heck. Yeah. But he did come on to chit-chat about uh, one of his new songs that he has coming out. $20 bottle, new single, and should be launching May 16th. And uh, you can pre-order that right now on iTunes if you want. Or, uh, you know, look for it on the, your other streaming platforms. 
Yeah, and I've been on a, a Quinn and Blair bender since uh, since the podcast, and it, it's been good. And the other thing that, speaking of twenty dollar bottle, uh, the other thing about the in person podcast that was looking real dangerous was having the food in front of us and a couple beers flow in and Quinn even brought his guitar down. And I was like, Oh boy, I might be spending the night at Chase's tonight. If, uh, <laughs> if we, ch- if we take a left instead of a right here, but, uh, I think we took the right that night and not the left. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I'm disappointed he didn't tickle the old strings there, but, uh, I- I'm sure things could, uh, you know, you know, what kind of energy that that stuff brings to a basement with a few beers flowing. Yeah, gets dangerous. Yeah, real quick. Oh, Maz, looking forward to it. And next time though, we'll catch him on tour here. Uh, he he did say that he's touring all summer long, which is really exciting here. Yeah, I think um, he said he had like almost thirty shows booked this summer, which wild. is insane. <laughs> yeah, and he also spoke to his new project there uh, with the Woodside Outfitters. Uh, so, and that that has a lot to do with kind of the backcountry horse riding so give that a follow as well on instagram that's woodside outfitters yeah um, but before we we dive into the the quinn and blair podcast there we, we got some new news in manitoba here um regarding some moose regulations yeah this and, is our, uh, we'll, our news piece yeah yeah breaking news <laughs> we got the soundboard going that's uh that's definitely not just chase making weird sounds in the microphone uh <laughs> And we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk a little local news too later. But uh, as far as Manitoba news goes, new moose hunting regulations just announced. And this doesn't happen very often. Eh, Chase with the the new regs being announced this late in the game, prior to hunting season. Normally, normally you get at least a year's notice on these kind of changes. But uh, what are the what are the changes we're looking at here? Right. Yeah. It was. Uh, I mean, pretty close to like the. The planning process for a lot of people and, and the draw process. So what what's going on is like the like the province is saying they want to get a better grasp on what's going on in some of these game hunting areas, um, as far as hunter numbers and all that. And I think you know the the population has kind of been down in those areas for a while now. And and I'm I'm honestly happy to see the draw come about. And I was like uh, we've chatted before, like the the moose need more protection in manitoba they need more advocacy not advocacy but they need more action and um this is a step in the right direction i feel like for the moose populations i i uh i hope this is a a sign of things to come for you know getting some some more conservation minded folks uh in action towards the moose here in manitoba but yeah, so drawn a lot of these areas, a lot of the areas are like the, the drive-in, um, access accessible areas. So, um, most of the fly-in stuff is still going to be, um, over the counter. Yeah. General tag kind of thing. So, um, yeah. so what's happening is we have a lot of game hunting areas or parcels of land in Manitoba here that will be switching from an over-the-counter tag to a, to a draw system. The, the intent here is to get, like Chase was saying, a better handle on not just hunter numbers, but harvest numbers, all these kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. Because the re- reporting comes, the uh, reporting standards come higher too, right? So Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing some of the hunters were kind of worked up about was the fact that, like, you know, right now the elk and the moose draw is under the same umbrella. So any any uh preference points that you get 
built up is it preference points. What is it? Priority points. Priority points. You have built up um, in your in your draw bag. You either have to put those all towards moose or all towards elk, kind of thing. So um, they did. The province did say that they're going to split them up next year. Yeah. As of today, which is, uh, I mean, what's the day today? Twenty eighth. Yeah. They released that. So um, that's also a step in the right direction, showing that things are going to go. You know, a lot of other provinces have it have it that way already. I know Alberta; all their tag systems are all separate, and you can build priority points in uh, each and every draw sector. So, like whitetail, you can buy points for moose, elk, whatever it is, right? So. Um, it's not gonna yeah. not gonna change the amount of pressure in that area. It's just gonna give hunters a, a bigger, uh, you know, it, it, they can plan better around how they might stagger some of their their hunts and stuff like that. Yeah, I I, I like the split because the the province did say in, just in the the release too that it it allows them to better fine tune conservation efforts too. Right when you think about you know if hunters are just putting in points. And they're they're drawing for moose every year, you know. Obviously, that's a, that's a blunter tool than you know splitting it up, which is good, I think. Yeah, definitely. And it works it works so well for hunters too, like you said, who get to plan a little bit more effectively. I, I'm on the fence about these these tags, and and it's not because I uh, I don't believe that there needs to be limits or restrictions, or that there needs to be analysis. What I what I am a little concerned about is that I feel like we don't have a necessarily a full picture we're still trying to grasp the full picture of the moose um in manitoba here from a conservation standpoint Mm -hmm. so i hope i my hope is is that we continue to really lean into understanding what the the full picture of of moose hunting and moose health in manitoba is and not just kind of like because when we amp up conservation sometimes we're reducing access in some ways um so i i hope that that increase in conservation really comes with not just the tool of conservation is not killing but other tools in the toolbox too you get what i'm saying like we're Mm -hmm. we're not just gonna the we're not gonna solely rely on not killing as many moose as our only conservation tool to bring back an in peril population here we need to come at it with a full toolkit yeah does that make sense yeah i agree man anything we can do to to help them out would be uh, a step in the right direction that's for sure yeah but if you if you have thoughts or insight as to what's going on you know we'd love to hear from you too i, I think this is probably going to be a hot topic in manitoba it's likely going to be I'm curious as to how it's going to impact outfitters or folks coming in from, you know, other places. I know obviously a lot of them probably do fly in locations, but uh, you know, if it's going to have an impact on lodges or something like that, it'd be interesting to hear Mm -hmm. Um, things like that. Yeah. Um, But that's the moose update for now. That's what we know and what we don't know. Um, But more locally, we had a little sausage fest, sausage rama, sausage, Making party 2022 going on here last week in Lockport, Manitoba. Yep. Finally, finally pumped through. Uh, I think we did about 200 pounds of meat through the old grinder there on Saturday. It was over. Yeah, it was about 200 pounds. Yeah, I guess that, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it was a, a pretty hectic day. Not all of it went into sausage. I think about 150 pounds went to sausage, though. And uh, thankfully, we were able to borrow a, a meat mixer off our, our buddy Chris there that uh, yeah. made the process a lot easier. And uh, our hands were sure thankful of that because, you know, you got to keep that meat nice and cold when you're mixing and processing that stuff. And totally. uh, it was in the pretty much in the center of the spring blizzard 2.0 there. Oh man, some real logistical complications there. Uh, I think we put the we pushed the limits on our, our smoking apparatuses. That's for sure. I think uh, I it, think they said it was the windiest day, or like the top five windiest days ever been recorded in Manitoba, or something like like the mean well, wind speed. Yeah, what a stupid time to smoke meat, eh? Like just, but we were we were committed. So what else could we do, right? I don't know if anyone else has ever been in that situation, but we had a weekend booked. And it was going to happen, so that's when it happened. The good thing was is that, like, turkey season, that was opening weekend for turkey season, and uh, there was not one part of me that wanted to be in the turkey woods that weekend, so I was like, well, it's a good weekend to make sausage. You probably could have walked up right on a, a flock of them there and just, like, knifed one, that kind of <laughs> wind going on. Gigged one. Gigged one. Gigged them. Gigged them. Yeah, not have been good. But, but like we- that, the the smoker got pushed to the absolute limits. We had the pit barrel rocking. We had a propane smoker rocking. Both of them weren't keeping temp. I had to bring a bunch. Of, I was up to three a.m. smoking meat one night there, and did had you, to bring it uh, in. Did Did you do the uh, the full stretch right till three a.m. or did you set an alarm at three a.m. to come? And like- I don't know what happened, but I I went into like Christmas mode or something like that, like Christmas Eve mode, and like I. I couldn't sleep. I was just like watching the the temp on the on the digital thermometer, watching it climb <laughs> a degree at a time. Yeah. And uh yeah, I eventually had to just pull it in and finish it on the or finish it in the the oven. Yeah. That kept me up though too, right? Cuz now now the temp's actually climbing in the oven. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to overcook it. But now we got a couple freezers full of sausage and um Already been spreading the wealth, like you said. We had a, a nice little platter going when when Clint uh, Quentin was uh, was down and uh, visiting, which is always nice to to share the wealth there. And uh, I'm looking forward. We already got some other plans to 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 get out and and uh, toss some sausage around. Um, doing a little fly tying coming up here this weekend. It's going to be my first fly tying experience, and. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting going down the path of like the learning the whole fly fishing all the fly fishing stuff it is i just ordered another fly fishing setup for cats and pike kind of thing i want to get on some spring pike this year and it's not that easy to find some of this equipment around oh no <laughs> Especially if you want to do it on a budget like I was. But I managed to get uh, line up two. My, my rod and my reel are both life, have lifetime warranty on them, which I'm excited about. Kind of sold me on them. And uh, I'm not going to uh, spoil all the surprises yet because I think I'm going to try and do a little video on the setup and share all that with you guys. 
That's exciting, man. I, I, I can't wait to see a cast it. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the flying time. we got a good group of guys there that are going to be wrapping hooks. Yeah. And uh, hopefully I just don't get too many like in my fingers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Could be a potential gong show going on there, but I think, uh, I think it's going to be a good time either way. And if we get a few flies tied, it'll be good too. Um, I mean, uh, our buddy Dylan's kind of been mentoring me there uh, on the pike side of things, fly fishing. He's done a lot of it. I have no clue, really. Uh, I've, I've just been doing a lot of research online. And uh, he kind of helped me through the finding some of the gear as well, which is which is kind of cool. So um, his, his grandfather is actually quite famous in the fly fishing world here in Manitoba. Old Jerry oh, yeah. Peck. Got a book, doesn't he? Yeah. Jerry or Gary? Jerry, I think. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, man. So he's got the, he's got the blood. Yeah. Dylan's super fishy guy. You might remind, uh, remember him from a few of the uncut angling videos too. And, uh, yeah, he was up with us on the moose trip and he knew exactly where the, those brook trout were basically and what they were up to and we we're casting for them. If yeah. you, if you don't know that story, it's a banger. So be sure to listen to our moose our moose camp podcast from the fall there yeah that is a good one uh, yeah but yeah some sunshine in the forecast and uh hopefully things are warming up here and we can head out on the open water pretty soon yeah it'll be exciting and also thinking about just doing a little casting in lockport again just honing the skills a little i uh I'm even just excited to start training Willie a little bit more. It's just been hard with this like mucky. We went from like minus 30 to muck basically. I guess we do every spring, but it seems even worse this spring. Yeah. So, oh man, you're, uh, well, when we're making sausage there, your backfield looked pretty damp mm-hmm. and there's still quite a bit of snow hanging around too, you know, in the, in the, in the sheltered areas with, the play structure and the garden and the, the trees and stuff like that. So yeah, be mucking around for a bit yet. Oh, well, we'll, uh, we'll get it figured there. We got some new gear for Willie though. I'm excited to test it out. We'll, uh, we'll get him moving. We'll get him shaking. We got him going on doubles. Nice. But, but, uh, I, I want to really double that or dial that in. And, uh, I think the big task this year, Graham, uh, from point proven, that's going to help me with, uh, just getting him steady on the the whole whoa thing here. He, he's still a little eager sometimes. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Got to so, slow him down once in a while. Yeah. What's the What's the plan there? Are you gonna just uh, train him with another dog, or you do, is that something that you can do at home a lot? I it it does help going out. Graham's got a lot of like the upland equipment and the knowledge, so like not wasting as much time, and I get to see like how someone who's spent you know years doing it can actually mold a dog you know what i'm saying so i'm not it's so much more efficient yeah yeah he's definitely got a a, quite a bit more experience so it's nice to have that um know that you know you're doing the right thing right well i'm feeling pretty pretty musical though i don't know about you chase yep should we get it rolling? I think so. So without further ado, uh, we'd love to welcome 
Quinn and Blair, the podcast. I swear I got the same shirt for Christmas. It's like a, like a, yeah, like a fleecy. Yeah, I got the same. Mine says Buck Camp. Like that's the whatever the name brand is. But I almost wore it today. Like we would be sitting here with the exact same shirt. That would have been sweet. Yeah. Yeah, it's been my go-to all winter. I think we have the same gear on when we're cutting meat this weekend. Yeah, me and Tristan were twinning. We had the Carhartts and the Panoramic hoodies on. Was that turkey? Do you guys go turkey or? No, no, we were cutting meat. We were making sausage. Oh, yeah, yeah. We haven't gone turkey yet. I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna get out yet. I just blew the budget on a fly rod. Oh, you buy one? Oh, nice. I did. Cabela's? Uh, no, it's uh, it's a uh, Echo Ion. Mm. So it's like the pretty much the cheapest one that I can get into that has like lifetime warranty. Right. And that was I don't know why, but it, I'm always like I'm willing to spend like the extra. It's going to be an extra couple hundred bucks for the entire setup. But yeah, but my rod will be lifetime warranty. My yeah. reel will be lifetime warranty. I'll have the best line on it, yep. which the line is like the most important part of that entire yep. system yep. pretty much. And then hopefully I'm good for like ever. Otherwise, I, I just feel like that would be looming. Because there was a couple other rods I was looking at that were like the the entry level kind of deals. Yep. And I was like, I could get away with that and play around with it with a year for a year. And then I, but then I was like, Oh, what if that thing breaks? Mm-hmm. Is it here yet? No. Reel's coming tomorrow. I don't know when the rod's showing up. should be in a week or so. It's always, uh, I was actually just texting with Dell the other day because he's got some sweet spots that mm-hmm. he goes fly fishing. And, and I mean, we've gone fishing before and it's just been fun to watch. I, I fly fished a bunch in BC as a kid growing up, but I've never fly fished in Manitoba. So I have all the, the setup. And there's Dell standing on his boat and just catching like bass and pike on his on his fly line i'm like that looks amazing mm-hmm. and i just never kind of got into it and now uh whatever i was texting because i want to fish the assiniboine because we're oh, yeah. our land is right on the assiniboine so it's like i want to ride in and fish and that's like yes. you know two and a half hours in make your like whatever set up for the day fish and then ride back at the end of like that's what i want to do yeah. so sign me up yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you guys gotta come for a ride yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I can't say I'd be any good at riding or fishing, but yeah. the adventure sounds like that. That's just it. Time. Yeah. 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 Dell's got it figured out, man. He's, uh, well, he, he was the, uh, the poster boy for fishing Manitoba there for yeah. his younger years. But, uh, Mountain Man, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, where'd you used to dabble out, out west? The Kootenays on Cranbrook. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Fish like the the same area, the Elk, the Bull River, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of fell in love with rivers when I was out there, you know, because I'm not I'm not a big water guy. So I'll go fishing in a boat and have some fun. Yeah, but I don't want a boat, and I don't want to do that all the time. Yeah, I just I have a little bit of that like prairiness in me where I'm just like I just want like solid footing underneath, yeah, me, yeah. and then I'll fish. Yeah, so I, I almost prefer that. So. Yeah. Well, the yeah, it's not uh, like fly fishing. The 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 uh, oh man, so word I'm looking for the stereotypical, you know, fly fishing scene is like somebody 
standing on a riverbank or waiting in the river, yeah. tossing a dry fly around. And it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's different coming to Manitoba and, and uh, trying to, you know, you don't really think about fly fishing as, as the first opportunity to yeah. come here, but it's actually, there's some pretty good spots. Oh, well, absolutely. And I, and I feel that too, it's also something that's sort of picking up in that, uh, um, you know, popularity now, and there seems to be more kind of programming towards like learn to fly fish kind of stuff. And that's always, oh, yeah. always a huge part of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually pretty surprised. I think I've said this before in the podcast, but Tristan, you and I are both part of the Manitoba Fly Fishers Association now, and it's unbelievable the the amount of like engagement that they have in that club. I was just on one of their meetings. They're, if, if you're not in on that association, they're, they're giving away all their secrets in the meeting I was just on. They had the map, like Bower Lake, they had the spots circled on the map on where you go to cast. There's a weed bed here. There's a rock shoreline here. You, you cast like a, a sinking line with, uh, you know, a nymph, and you're, you're going to hook up on a brown over here. It's like, holy smokes. Like, that's that's better than any magazine I've ever subscribed to. I'll tell you that much. I'll be joining here while we're talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ding, Quinn Blair. Yeah. <laughs> Next member before yeah. the night is through. No yeah, kidding. but super helpful. Unfortunately, I couldn't sit through it all, but because because uh, we're here. But uh, yeah, that was my first meeting too, and my my jaw almost hit the floor. It's like, oh my goodness, people people kill for this kind of information. Yeah, super helpful. What uh, what had you out west? Uh, my uncle lived out there, so I had family in in Calgary, and I had family out in Cranbrook, and so nice. yeah, every summer my parents were teachers, so we'd go there for a nice three week road trip, and yeah, always. Uh, that's actually probably where a, a big uh, love of the outdoors came from is my uncle who was out there was just big into to hiking into fishing into backcountry skiing and so we'd always kind of have some fun adventures when we were out there and that's yeah. uh you know here we are now yeah yeah no kidding um i mean i've I've read your your bio on your website a number of times now just trying to write stuff up for you on different different like articles like you're coming to do the the pint night with the Manitoba Wildlife Federation on April 30th here. So I was like writing up little pieces um, just for like media stuff on that on you. And this is like some of the stuff is, you know, grew up in the outdoors and, and how, you know, it, it connects to your music and all mm-hmm. that. And it's, it's, uh, it's all pretty interesting. And uh, that's the stuff I love hearing about. And that's the stuff that really like sets me on like, a, I don't know, connects me to an artist i feel like if they can talk truthfully about that stuff yeah and I, I think that's an important part about when you when you are an artist and like finding your voice and sometimes you feel like you got to fit in to this community or fit into this community to like and at the end of the day you just got to be yourself be comfortable with what that is and understand that take it or leave it this is who i am and so you know i, I wear a cowboy hat and i ride horses and stuff but i'm not I love, you know, going to rodeos and all that kind of stuff and, and used to ranch rodeo a bit, but I'm no team roper. I'm not great at that kind of stuff. I go and I have fun doing it, mm-hmm. but I don't, I am just who I am. And I'm going like, I just, I would rather be riding through the woods and finding this awesome spot to go camp. Um, you know, watch the sun sit down on the, uh, on the horizon there. And yeah, usually have that Assiniboine river snaking in and out of view. And it's like, that's, that's heaven to me. Is that, is that like a source of inspiration? Am I being a little daft here if I ask that question? Or is... uh, no, I, I think I, 
I, I grew up reading a lot of Louis L'Amour, actually. So he's like this Western author who mm-hmm. who is is so descriptive in his writing, and and so it kind of drew me in. And I and I try to write like that, where I'm like more of like painting a picture. So absolutely, mm-hmm. I'll draw inspiration from those kind of different moments, watching those sunsets drop. And that's where I kind of came up with this line of like, you know, I don't want to burn another sunset. I don't want to, you know, waste another day. Like I want to do what I want to do and make the most of the time that I have. And uh, so that comes directly from, we got this great little ridge that we ride up on and we watch that sun go down. And it's like, that's where that line came from. We we're down in Tennessee and I wrote the song with uh, wow. a fellow by the name of Dwayne Thompson, who's like, you know, he just wrote a number one hit in the U.S. for, you know, Lady A last year. And it's like, holy cow, like, I got to sit in a room with him, number one. But number two, we wrote a song about a line I came up with yeah. <laughs> trail riding in Manitoba, right? Well, so no, awesome. it's funny how it absolutely had its inspiration all the way around. Uh, it kind of pairs well with a, a story that our buddy Josh was sharing with us when we were out fishing with him a, a couple of weeks ago. He's, he said he came across this guy just taking picture, like, of the sunset and... Josh, who's a rather photographic man himself, was sharing, relaying that, you know, kind of odd to see someone taking a picture that way, you know, arms fully extended. And, and so he asked him, he's like, hey, taking a picture of the sunset. He's like, oh, yeah, you bet. Wouldn't miss it. It's like best one I've ever seen. He's like, really? And he looked back at it and he's like, oh, okay. He's like every. So apparently this guy goes out every day. Best sunset he's ever seen is, you know, that day. That day, yeah. So just really. I guess the carpe diem is kind of the the uh, the sentiment behind all that. Absolutely, eh? like yep. get yep. get on your horse and ride. Yeah, would be another way to say it. Yeah. Um, I was kind of wondering though too that this one this one's a less like um, I don't have the answer for this one, but I noticed there's not a lot of good like hunting songs out there. There's a, there's a couple good fishing ones. Maybe we'll see. Fishing say. and wishing, Mister Del. Barber. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to shout Del out. I don't know if you guys have like some sort of underlying grudge or something like Me that. And Del are great friends. No, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Uh, but like it, it doesn't seem like there's for something that for me is like a real like grounding and almost spiritual experience in some ways. Yep. There's there's not a lot of musical or literature out there on on that experience i find i think i think part of that is it can be a marginalizing topic Mm -hmm. or you know it can create two three four different camps pretty quick yeah and i think just you you know you want to be yourself but you also want to be sensitive to what other people are are kind of feeling as well and so you know you can use your voice in a way that kind of supports what you believe in and 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 how you really want to live your own life but at the same point i find that it's it's a bit limiting especially when you look at like songs on the radio like maybe if like luke bryan can put out a song i'm I'm not a luke bryan fan but he at least he put out a hunting song Mm -hmm. but at the same point it's like it doesn't happen that often but if it does it's going to come from the states it doesn't often come from canada right yeah it's but bud lights and dirt roads are a lot easier to, to market than <laughs> yeah that's right that's right yeah yeah it is what it is and i mean like we all have our kind of love hate relationship when you try to get songs on the radio you have a love hate relationship for the formula but you, at the same point you got to play the game too if you want to if you want to try to do that kind of yeah. stuff and at the same point try to maintain your your integrity with who you are and not kind of give anything away that's that's not something that you would kind of put out so we got this this song coming out and you know it's, the hook line in the song is it 
kick you like a mule, put a hitch in your hobble. It's a whole lot of trouble in a $20 bottle. But I mean, it's like, <laughs> that's just me. Right? Like, yeah, that's, yeah. That's what's happening right there. That's that's me describing a little small town fun. So Yeah. I, I like what you've done there too, Quinn. And with the sunsets too, because I think I can, you know, I can definitely, as soon as you said sunset, it transported me back to times where I know I've been out hunting. I know I've been out fishing and and just saw, you know, a next level sunset. And yeah. I would have been out there if I was hunting or fishing. But I think it's a lot more, everyone can relate to that in, in, in some way, mm-hmm. probably, right? It's just that that serene sunset or that, that next level sunset. Yeah, or the, on the flip side, the sunrise. You wake up early, saddle up in the dark, and you ride up onto the ridge and watch that sun break over the horizon. That's a whole... That's the same deal, right? Yeah, I seem to catch more sunsets than sunrises. Yeah. <laughs> For some odd reason. That one is always a heavy commitment. Yeah. 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 Are wow. you sure you want to go out there tomorrow? Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, we yeah. better wrap up this campfire then. Yeah. yeah. When we were a little bit younger, we used to catch both in the same evening. <laughs> more frequently. Yeah. That's true, eh? Oh, man. Um, the cool thing about sunrises, though, is that uh, you really get to hear that world wake up and you're usually alone out there mm-hmm. on on that front i mean I, i'm sure you watching the sunset on a ridge overlooking the sinboin river is probably pretty uh pretty remote and, and pretty quiet out there too but uh man sunsets even sunrises even in, in a busy spot can be uh pretty peaceful but isn't that isn't that i mean for me this is kind of what drew me into hunting in the first place um mm-hmm. i didn't grow up hunting and so you know i was probably 17 18 19 when i first started getting into it and uh, i still remember to this day sitting on this fence line and we were out near the the uh, turtle mountains and uh, it was a heavy heavy dew and i'm sitting there and i'm looking at my watch kind of finding out what uh, what time i can be shooting at and i'm watching the dew drip off the tines of the barbed wire and i'm like it was that moment like it's the first sit and i'm like i would be five minutes late for work right now i'd be this <laughs> mm-hmm. panicked about this rushing and whatever and here i am watching the light kind of capture everything around me and and suddenly i'm like i'm watching everything else wake up this is what i want this is what i want to be a part of mm-hmm. and so yeah i mean that's what it is it's like these kind of almost like life spiritual moments that just kind of like say like this is this this speaks to me as mm-hmm. as a you know as my place in time in this world. This is what brings me peace. Yeah, so. it's a huge motivator. Like I've been shaking my head, thinking, "What the hell am I doing out here right now?" At Godforsaken hour, and but you you catch that moment where you you find something absolutely serene or beautiful out there. Yeah, and it all kind of pays off, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that's that's why I'm out here." I get I get that experience. I get that. I, I can think of most of the cool things I've done in life have, have been associated with some sort of hunt or fish. And I'm supposed to, I probably shouldn't have been in that spot, but because I wanted to see what was over the next hill or around the next corner, there we are. And, uh, yeah, it, it pays off big time. Sometimes, sometimes you get your shit stuck and broken and then you're, then you're really cursing, but, uh, you know, it's all part of the game. I think let's, uh, we, we haven't done a formal intro yet for our guests here and uh we're getting into some pretty good conversations and we just kind of tossed the hit the record button here as we were visiting pretty much so um <clears throat> we got mr quentin blair sitting with us here tonight we're in oak bank right now this is our probably the first in-person podcast that we've done 
God, I can't even remember the last one. Was it that one with Jason and... Yeah, it might have been in the fall there with uh, Jason Sweet and... and uh, Alan. And Alan. Talking bows. Talking bows, and here we are. And it feels good to be back around the mics with real people, not a screen. So uh, thanks, Quentin, for joining us tonight. And uh, why don't you tell the folks, you know, who you are, what you do, and... Yeah, kind of thing. Well, I mean, I, I think I got to say my favorite my favorite form of interview is like the long form co- podcast interview because we can just dive into every rabbit hole that we want to kind of along the way. But yeah, I kind of uh, I live. Well, it's complicated. We got two places. We got we got a place in Landmark and a place in McGregor. So both uh, Landmark is the geographical center of Canada, and McGregor is the heart of Manitoba. So our <laughs> communities are kind of like that. But my partner Vanessa and I. Um, we, we raise uh, sheep, we raise goats, uh, horses, we do a lot of kind of uh, backcountry camping and riding and all that kind of stuff, which is a whole thing that we're kind of starting to develop. But I think uh, more kind of notably, I just, uh, I play country music and primarily focus on playing it in Manitoba. I kind of have a strong sense of uh, kind of location and geography in my writing, but then also just in me as a person. And I'm not really that interested in trying to like, you know, fly to Toronto all the time and play or go Mm -hmm. to Tennessee and I mean I do all of that stuff but primarily I try to play in Manitoba so we'll play every small town fair and rodeo that you can think of and uh, I can't imagine a better way to see this province yeah that's that's got to be a good time though man I'm I've I've been to a few of the larger venues and we've, we've done country fest and that was obviously a good time but like now I feel like I get so much more enjoyment of of going to like uh, a more like uh, a smaller venue that you get more of a connection with the artist kind of thing and it's just a, a better experience I feel like well I mean it's kind of that point that Tristan was talking about that sometimes you're like you wouldn't have been in that moment but for what you're doing right and so the number of times we've had these just magnificent Manitoba evenings where I'm getting to go on stage and play my songs and people are enjoying themselves and having a good time. And, and, you know, it's kind of one of those, I I can't even list off, you know, standing in Vita and watching them fire off the fireworks on Canada day. And you got the horses from the rodeo in front. And so you just see their dark silhouette kind of moving across (laughs) as, as the sky's getting lit up by these fireworks. I'm like, I'm working right now. Like this is my job to go and do this kind of stuff. So I'm pretty grateful for that, that opportunity. But uh, um, yeah, it's every, every weekend somewhere in the province there's something happening and it's neat like we don't play cities like i play winnipeg maybe once a year may i don't even have a winnipeg date and i don't even know when i would put a winnipeg date on the calendar right now um you know we don't go to regina we don't go to calgary but we'll play all the small towns in the rural prairies Mm -hmm. and the great part about that is it's it's never ten thousand people it's always 200 to 500 people but it's community. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a really fun way to kind of go and be a part of something. But, you know, it's it's not like, you know, Eric Church is in town kind of thing. And it's kind of yeah. getting just wild and crazy. It's like, no, this is, this is just a bunch of friends and a bunch of people who know each other coming together and enjoying some music. And, and it's fun to kind of be the quarterback to that kind of an evening. Yeah. Eric who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gwen, it pains me a little at... <laughs> This is the first time we've had a beer together hearing you talk. It uh, hurts my soul a little. To, though the way you uh, kind of wax there um, really resonates with me. And I'm, I'm thinking 
You, you mentioned kind of just the, the importance of the, the, the regional nature of your music and stuff like that. And we were talking earlier about, you know, how generally approachable things like Bud Lights are. And yet um, you're here uh, making your art in, in a regional way, in a way that speaks to the geography. And I, I, I really didn't, it didn't hit me until later in life just about like how important that connection is in art to to the geography to the land that you come from the the dirt you're kind of risen out of in some ways like can can you expand more on just like how how you use that as an artist absolutely yeah it's kind of one of those things where like you get to meet a lot of really interesting people from all walks of life when you're kind of doing this as a job and so you know for example we're uh um playing up in Dauphin and they've got this hundred year old performing arts center and I'm working with a band from Toronto called the new country rehab. I'm there supporting them and, uh, you know, I play my show and at the end of the night, people are coming to buy their t-shirts and CDs because essentially as a musician, that's what you are. You're peddling t-shirts and CDs for a mm-hmm. living. And so this lady, she kind of kept- podcasters do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well played. So this, this lady, she walks up to the front and, and, you know, truth be told she's kind of such a supporter of local artists so she's always at when there's a show and off and she's there she's buying the t-shirts and cds and stuff but she walks this is my first meeting with her and she just walks up to me and i'm standing in front of this magnificent picture window that overlooks the train station in Dauphin. And that's another hundred year old train station. And I mean growing up on the prairies like that yeah. train it's just it's just kind of part of your heartbeat kind of thing. And so she walks up and she kind of you know nods her head and she's like, you see that Mercury Topaz out there? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I drove a Topaz once upon a <laughs> yeah. time. I totaled it. It's a nice car. <laughs> yeah. But I did. I'm standing inside. I didn't know what she's talking about. I kind of a, a little bit uncomfortable and shifted in my, in my boots there. And I turned to the side. And sure enough, yeah, in the parking lot out front of the train station, there's a Mercury Topaz. So and look back at my friend. And I say, uh-huh. And she's like, that thing's got 400,000 kilometers on it. <sighs> And I didn't know what to say, so I just looked back at her, and I'm like, huh, <laughs> would you like to buy a t-shirt or a CD? Yeah. <laughs> so she did, and we became friends, and she told me that she grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan. She moved up to Dauphin, Manitoba. I didn't know that that kind of a thing would happen, but yeah. <laughs> evidently that kind of a thing happens. But, you know, it, it kind of sets uh, a place and a, and a unique story to kind of set things in motion. The next day, I'm driving home through Riding Mountain, and I'm like, wow. Mercury Topaz for like four hundred thousand dollars. Any Ford product at that point with four hundred thousand. That's my little jab, but yeah, <laughs> Ford. No, I, I drive an F one fifty, so I gotta. Chase drives a Ford. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's like that is a song right there, and so I started writing this song about how, you know, she grew up and and she points her car northwest and she just drove till she ran out of gas and that's how she landed in Dauphin and and uh, you know you kind of get to go all over Canada telling this story about somebody that you met and it's just. It's their vehicle, but it's their story about how they got to where they are in their life. And, uh, you know, her name was Kat up in up in the parkland. And she was just, I saw her at a number of other festivals. And if you talk to other artists who play up there a bunch, they all know Kat because she's just such a huge supporter. So then a year later, I was back playing in Dauphin again. And I didn't know that she was going to be there. And so I told the story just like I did. And sure enough, she's in like the second row. She's like, me, that was me. That was me. <laughs> <I'm> like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, but it's just, oh, I love that. it's your way that you can connect. But then you get to go around Canada, and I, I primarily play in Canada. I play in the U.S. a little bit, but um, 
you're now going around and you're talking about the geography. And I'll say, you know, slightly to the north and to the west is a range of mountains that we call the Duck Mountains. Slightly to the south is another range of mountains that we call the Riding Mountain. But I'll be playing in Jasper. Yeah. And telling the story, and everyone's like, what are you doing? Are you- and I said, well, in Manitoba, we're loose on the definition of the term mountain, yeah, right? Like, yeah. just go with me. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's nice because then you get to, it's the experience, and then you get to write the song about that person and about that that geography, that local, the, the localness of that, of that song. So I love that about being an artist from Manitoba is that I just am. I just am a Manitoba guy. That's what I want to be. That's where I plan on staying. So, man, I feel like you're playing me like a fiddle here because that that train station you just talked about in Dolphin, I can picture. I know exactly what it looks like, and down the block from it is Schroeder's Meats, where we took our elk. The first elk we ever shot went into that that meat shop there, got butchered up. I could still taste what the Smokies taste like up there, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So I think that you're you're bang on in this in the sense when you when you talk, at least to the locals about what what it means to to experience that place regionally like there there's just so much that's unsaid that comes through that song or mm-hmm. or that story or whatever it is right it's unbelievable really but yeah it's funny just how how small Manitoba can be sometimes too so I was, I was playing down in Tennessee shortly after I wrote that song so that song is called the song is called 300,000 kilometers and it was kind of the story of the last 100k on the car that brought her up to, to Dauphin sort of thing and uh, I played this songwriter night down in Tennessee and you know they got like the monitors in front where like I can hear what I'm playing and stuff and like the people up front can't hear it but the person who runs the night can talk into that monitor to me and as i'm telling the story and i sing the song she's like no one knows what a kilometer is (laughs) 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 i didn't write it for you ma'am yeah (laughs) like don't worry no one in the u.s is going to hear this song anyways with with, uh with Um, much of yeah so anyways it was it was kind of a funny moment but yeah when when you're hyper local you kind of you know eliminate some stuff too but i I just don't care about that canada eh? yeah (laughs) it's all right oh man we're losing sunlight down here might have to toss the light on right away but nice to have that sun sunlight though like yeah yeah what is it we're rolling on 8 30 now i think 8 22 and still got some sunlight down here right on not bad um it's interesting. I've, I've, I can't say I was, I was really big into like the the local Manitoba music scene coming up. Um, didn't know a whole bunch about it, but as I get older, it seems like things are pulling me further, further into this scene, and it's, it's, uh, it's really cool. We get to meet some just amazing people like you, and we we're talking about Dell earlier, who we're also friends with. Um. Is everybody pretty tight in that scene or how does that like, is there, is there a big transition zone there from like the, the guys that are kind of holding down the things in Manitoba to the. Who's got a beef? Spill the beans here quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Or yeah. is there like, so like, sorry, like you said, you like to stick to Manitoba. I, I see Dell doing some stuff out West too, but is there like a smooth transition there? Or is there like a, you know, you're staying in the Canada scene and then. Or you're going to Nashville. Oh, there's. I mean, sometimes it's hard to fit in. I was kind of alluding to the fact before that it's sometimes it's hard to know where you are, and you just got to be comfortable with who you you are, comfortable in your own skin, and just be what you'll be, and people accept you or they won't, and and who cares at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I wear a cowboy hat. I sing story songs with country music 
but I love 90s country. So I spend a lot of time in the country music community, but I'm typically too folk and too country for country. So then I'll spend some time in the folk music community, but I'm wearing a cowboy hat and I'm too country for folk now. So I kind of wrestle in between, but in the, in the big scheme of things, for the most part, musicians are musicians. They don't do it for the money. They do it for the love and they are solid people, very, you know, great friends, great mm-hmm. relationships, and everyone's kind of genuinely happy for each other. You definitely have, like, especially when you start getting into, like, I mean, there's there's money involved, right? So when you get paid to play a show, if you're not booked for the show, especially when you're starting, it's pretty easy to get, like, jaded about it, going, why did they hire this person? I could have put on a better show, or yeah. why am I not getting that chance kind of thing? And I think that just kind of fades away in time as you know, you're around the scene and you're around the players and the people and you're just like, you know, we're all just trying to tell our stories and, you know, no one's making a million bucks. Yeah. So what's the difference? What was your first show like? First show. Do you remember? My first show as a solo artist was at the Plum Coulee Plum Fest. And I did a mixture of cowboy poetry and and original songs that I had written and I think I had one or two covers and yeah that was my first show Plum Cooley Plum Fest and then I got to go back and play the, actually you know name dropping the same guy all the time but Dell and I got to uh, headline Plum Fest uh, I don't know maybe four years ago and uh, my daughter um, jumped up on stage and she sang an Ian Tyson song called MC Horses Come on. with Dell and I at the at the show what? and uh yeah, the the video was terrible, and you know, there's a line in the song where you know he says banjo kicked his trailer apart, and my daughter used to always cry when I'd sing that song to her because she's like, my horse is named Frisco, and she's nice, and she doesn't kick the trailer apart, so we'd always change it when she'd sing with me to you know Frisco jumped in the trailer because she loved her little girl, um, and then uh, I picked up a horse from down in Cartwright a couple of years ago, we pulled in and it's like pitch black like um, midnight when, I, when I'm pulling in to pick up this horse and uh, at the end of the day just the the horse jumps in and kicks the side of the trailer I'm like well I guess you're Banjo now <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so we got a horse named Banjo just from that uh, from that moment but yeah no it's uh, first show Plum Coulee Plum Fest and uh, yeah I like it when I get to kind of play a show and then come back a few years later and play it again and just kind of get to know the people again and some of them remember you remember you from that show and yeah you know by that point they bought some cds and kind of know some of your music too so how cool is that to have the daughter up on stage with you it happens all the time now really yeah yeah she's got no i way. think i think about uh i think about six shows this summer like she's to the point where she's showing me music like like her spotify account is amazing she's 10 years old now and she'll go daddy i think you'll like this song and i'm <laughs> like who is it and she's like I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, his name is John Wolf, and he's down in Texas. I'm like, this song is amazing. <laughs> and now it's like one of my favorite songs, but my daughter's the one that showed it to me, which was, oh, so cool. it's so cool. And so she's like, can I sing this song? I'm like, yeah, you can, but this is what it's about. This is what the songwriter is trying to say. Is that something that you want to say? And she's like, no, I, I don't like that. I'm like, then don't say it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's simple as that. And so it's fun kind of working through. We spend a lot of time driving because we're always in in the truck driving back and forth to McGregor. So it's a two-hour a two hour trek, and we'll just pop on music, and we'll sing the entire time. And, uh, you know, it's just fun to watch her, you know, do her own learning and, and learn the country music songbook that way. But, 
yeah, no, I think there'll be a bunch of shows this summer that she'll be right up on stage, ready to go. Man, I feel like I need you to help me out with that because I swear I've been singing songs for years that I'm just starting to now realize what the lyrics actually mean. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, maybe that one's not uh, what I intended to be singing all this time. <laughs> it's funny because one of the first songs that she learned that she loved was uh, Sundown from Gordon Lightfoot. So I could see her lying back in a satin dress in a room where you do what you don't confess. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of cringe every time she'd sing it. I'm like, oh, man, did anyone else catch that line? <laughs> but, uh, no, it's um, it's super fun kind of going down that road. And, and you know, she's so, um, she's so music-oriented in her life that I'm like, it's just a perfect, like, we just, like I said, drive in the truck and sing songs together. And it's like the greatest two hours of the week is, like, mm-hmm. just hanging out together and, and letting her learn about you know, nine. I mean, we spend a lot of time listening to '90s country, but at the same point too, she'll dive down the song, like the singer-songwriter rabbit hole, and just start to kind of piece together what they're talking about in songs and learning to listen instead of just like, yeah, don't just sing along for the sake of singing along. Yeah, figure out what that songwriter's trying to say. Yeah, the, so the expression of it all. Yeah. Um, th- does '90s country kind of like get get a bad rap for maybe? I don't say ruining it all, but like, you know, it's kind of where it started, right? Garth Brooks started flying around a stadium and all of a sudden. That is, that is the kind of the funny part, but country music has always battled that. I mean, you'd even kind of look back and you'd, and you'd say like Chet Atkins is one who ruined country music by playing electric guitar and kind of changing the melody and the structure of the songs and leaning a lot more onto jazz as opposed to kind of the, you know, the, R&B style or like the the rhythm and blues more like three chord country music that uh, was probably started off by the Carter family and then Elvis kind of took it into rock and roll at that point so yeah um even if you look back um, I mean when Blake Shelton so this is would have been in the early 2000s you know Blake Shelton was catching heat for some of his songs mm-hmm. and I mean you know you argue that Blake is pretty country mm-hmm. for what he's kind of putting out. And then Ray Price, I think, uh, one, like an artist from the 70s, he's, you know, kind of dishing out at him, like, oh, it's not real country music. And then Blake just turned around and fired back and said, like, look, string arrangements wasn't a thing in country music. That was pop music. You brought elements of pop music into your country music. So there's always that, hey, let's find something in pop music and bring it to country music. And it'll kind of become a fad for a bit. And then that part might leave and another element from pop music will come in to country music and so it's it's kind of like just an evolution but i would almost say the 90s were the glory days of country so i agree with you so the artist that got me into country music was garth brooks yeah but with the stage antics it was like what's happening here but he's singing cowboy songs he sings songs about rodeo he sings songs about wagon trains and stuff and you're just like what What? (laughs) (laughs) what's happening but but um you know that era of music i mean if you even look at trisha yearwood and reba mcintyre and brooks and dunn and clint black and travis tritt and randy travis like like it is such and it was it was such an era and so I, i count myself fortunate to have grown up discovering country music in that era and it morphs and it changes and and whatever and there's so many it's you know now we're in this especially after the last two years we're kind of discovering that technology can bring us stuff that we wouldn't normally have experienced before so you see guys driving into the you know 
Jason Isbell or the Cody Jinx or the Tyler Childers or um, Coulter Wall, you know, good Swift Current boy. Um, they're kind of allowing you to jump into different categories of country music as opposed to just what's played on the radio. Yeah, I was going to mention, like, I, I I did mention the 90s stuff a bit tongue-in-cheek because I, I love a good Garth song just as much. Well, maybe maybe not as much as you, to be fair, but... Um, I had him cranked on the way here, actually. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> it's so good, though. It's so good. Um, it just seems like, um, you know, with Garth and a lot of those other folks, you like Clint Blackles, folks you mentioned, like, they, they brought a lot to the game. It just it seemed like everyone went all in on that for a little while um as you mentioned and i was bemoaning that fact for a while but i i realized that if you kick over a few stones there's there's just so many and chase was saying too how we discovered just the more local stuff even even more and that that's fun to go on a deep dive but it seems like even like i've noticed western music seems to be making a huge that's a huge that's almost weird to me i think it's a yellowstone thing I think, like even if you even if you look at cowboy hats right now, right? Like I can't tell you how many times I've been the only cowboy hat in the room, and sometimes I used to struggle with that when I was first starting out. And then my drummer Ryan Voth, uh, good Winnipeg boy, uh, just I was like, should I wear the cowboy hat? Should I not? And he's like, they paid for the cowboy hat, give him the cowboy hat. <laughs> I'm like, All right, so, that's what I tell him. Because when you play bars in Winnipeg, right? Like you yeah. play like. The garage or the Royal George or, or wherever you're kind of at, at the Smith, like at the Forks in at the Forks. And you're like, do I really need to wear a cowboy hat in there? But I'm like, that is my brand. That's what yeah. I do. So yeah, I can do it. But uh, yeah, it, it just everywhere you look now, there's a cowboy hat on stage, some, like on the stage, right? Whether it's the, the front man or, yeah. or woman or, or somebody else. And Miranda Lambert has a, a great little kind of lots of Western themed songs on a, on a new record. You got the Coulter, you got Corb, who's always kind of been a, you know, standout as far as that genre. Mm-hmm. Um, Sturgill Simpson recently had a record come out that was definitely more of a, a Western kind of mm-hmm. theme. Um, so it's interesting to see that. Um, but I think so much of that is connected to Yellowstone, which is interesting <laughs> to see. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe who knows, but I haven't seen Yellowstone full disclosure. So I, uh, uh I I was I feel like I was noticing a little the, the Western resurgence a little before yeah before the the old Yellowstone came out but the, and when I yeah. say Western like I mean really connected to the like that storytelling and the uh, you know a little bit more scale back arrangement that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and I wonder if it, it was even like a, a change of hands there where where the the country music scene was maybe coming back to that Western and somebody's seen the opportunity to make a kick-ass TV well, show about it. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, maybe, maybe to your point, Tristan, like like Coulter had a massive impact on the music community, mm-hmm. and so he's probably four records in now, three, four records in. So, yeah, you're probably right. It would, it would have been right at the beginning end. or the He probably had one or two records out by the time that Yellowstone thing came out. But it seems like the hat seems like it's a thing now. Yeah. And, I mean is what it is. People can wear what they want. It just, it's just weird to see it. Cause I, I felt like I was like alone in that world before. Yeah, I mean, yeah, whatever yeah. alone, that, that doesn't even matter, but you know, you're, you're the only one with balls big enough to wear it out. <laughs> the thing. Maybe, maybe this is worth asking then. Cause I've been trying to figure it out for a while. Like where's uh you might not have the answer, but where's a good place to get a bolo tie in Manitoba? Because I've I've been struggling with that for a while. A bolo tie? Yeah. 
I've never heard anybody struggle with a bolo tie before, but that's yeah, that's interesting. Really? Well, I mean, <laughs> no one's asked me about a bolo tie okay, either. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's it's. I don't know that it's necessarily something that the Western shops are carrying. I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, Stone Creek, shout out to uh, Stone Creek Western Shop out in Steinbeck. Um, they've always been so great to me with sort of anything that I'm kind of buying, but um, I'm sure they've got bolo ties there somewhere. But okay, yeah, I don't I'll know. Have to take a peek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to get my my last one I got was commissioned, so that I mean, oh wow, yeah. So that was it's nice, but to do it on the reg might not be a, a smart. A smart move, right, right, right. Yeah, but, but that's that is another thing that's coming back too, right? You see people. Oh, I love them. Yeah. I love them so much. I, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I feel like they they give you. It's a talking point. At least someone will come up and say something. Maybe it's smart ass, but they'll uh, they'll come talk to you at least. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you can actually um, buy the the um, whatever that the, the silver piece would be. Uh, you can buy them at Tandy Leather too. Oh, so nice. Tandy leathers in town here in Winnipeg, and uh, and then you can just get the cordage to make. So you can make make your own if you really wanted to. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. There now we go. we're talking. Yeah, actually, a friend of mine, uh, his daughter uh, keeps um, like the casings from a twenty-two. Yeah, and then she can kind of like whatever she wants to do with the with the lacing, whatever. But the end of the lacing, she'll have just the casings from two twenty-two. Cool. I'm like, oh, that's pretty sweet. No nice. way. And, yeah, never thought of that. So, could do a little like. Deer antler base or something like that, shed base. Yeah, <laughs> here we go. Well, the the one I have is a, gonna, is a moose antler right now, so we're gonna have to censor out this part of the podcast because all our good business ideas are coming out here now. I know. <laughs> I know. Eh? Um, I'm curious when we we kind of talked to Tristan asked about uh, you know your your first concert date um, or your first show that you played, but when did you first kind of get into the, to music like? Did you grow up into it, or did you pick up the guitar when you're in your teens, kind of thing? Or, yeah, I, I mean, I played piano for like many, many years, and I hated it. And I just kind of thought, like, oh man, this is Why? just a drag. Like, well, because you're always like forced to learn classical music, and you're like, I don't want to play classical music. I want to play other stuff. So, yeah. when I was kind of old enough to kind of tell my mom that I didn't want to play piano anymore, I was I was 22, and I just, just kidding. <laughs> 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 I'd have been sometime in junior high and said, Mom, this music thing isn't for me. She's like, Are you sure? And I was like, Mom, I'd never want to play an instrument. And we had a friend who like gigged as a jazz musician. She's like, Well, would you ever want to put out a CD or play a gig? I'm like, Mom, I never want to touch an instrument again. And um I went to summer camp that year and there's a kid my age playing guitar and he's playing a bunch of like Metallica songs and stuff. I'm like, this is kind of cool. And my uncle was a musician. He always told me, if you want a guitar, I'll give you one of mine and you can learn to play. And so that's what he did. He gave me a guitar and, and he did it like so much for me as far as burning CDs. And he's the one who introduced me to like Pink Floyd and Stevie Ray Vaughan and, and really the sort of the deep dive into even a bunch of Neil Young and BB King. And uh, he did so much to sort of open my eyes to music, but yeah, he gave me my first guitar and, um, you know, it was kind of one of those things where I picked it up and, Right then, it was like three hours a night. It was perfect because I was in high school and I didn't have a mm-hmm. job yet. And it was like, um, you know, I didn't have any like that much to do. So I could just sit in my room for three hours at a time. And that's the the foundation that kind of led to yeah. this. And then I met a friend in uh, in grade 12 who moved here from Toronto. We met on the first day of school and kind of hit it off. And he played music and I played music. But we had two different like 
catalogs of music that we knew. So I was into like Big Sugar, Neil Young, Dave Matthews, and he was into like Radiohead and, you know, I don't even know who else he was like. But so we couldn't play music together. So we started writing music together. Hmm. And so him and I had in two, three different bands throughout our high school, uh, the end of our high school days. And um, then uh, the band broke up and, and he moved back to Thunder Bay. And, and at that point I started playing country music. So. Because there's kind of like a rock band before that. I was like, yeah, yeah. Like I always called it slop rock because I like that. Like I'm a big tragedy hip fan, so I kind of like bring in that sloppy guitar work. I mean, maybe it just wasn't good enough, but <laughs> that's exactly what it was actually. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so um, I always called it slop rock, and and uh, they always wanted to be more like uh, you know high intensity and whatever. And so yeah. the the band broke up, they went their way and I went my way and just kind of went from slop rock just right into full on country, which was always my, my passion. I mean, as a kid, I used to listen to a, a radio station called country Six Thirty, and it was AM. And I remember like not being able to tell people what kind of music I listened to for fear of being ridiculed. And <laughs> you know, my birthday would come along and I'd get the, uh, what was that thing where they'd send you hey, get 20 CDs for a cent or whatever? And, oh, yeah. yeah. So I'd, yeah. I'd look through that, and, it, and I'd pick out records that I wanted for my birthday, like music, but I didn't want to have anybody in a cowboy hat on the cover because I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to be made fun of that this is the music. that. But whatever. And then you went all in on it. <laughs> Here I am, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You said an interesting thing there, too, and I, I don't want to be all like the, the kids aren't all right these days, but... Um, I think there's something to be said for it. I was reading an article the other day, and it it said that there there's there's virtue, there's there's goodness in uh, in boredom, and often you know, especially kids these, these days as they're developing, they're not afforded that. They're 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 always under the gun to be doing something or scheduled time or stuff like that. But it sounds like for you, I won't say boredom, but like that free time to really pluck a pluck around on a guitar really paid off in some ways any other time in my life like there's no way i could learn to play guitar right now yeah and there's no way that i could learn to study music there's no way i could learn to write a song right now it just life is too busy in fact i find that i don't have time enough to play guitar just for myself usually if i'm playing you know i was playing today but i was working because i'm learning stuff to play for this summer um so i don't just get to like sit around the campfire just like I feel like playing this song, which I haven't played for seven years. I don't even know if I'm going to remember the words. But, uh, you know, that, I guess, is reserved to a few nights in the summertime around the bonfire, and that's kind of it. But Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that 100%. Yeah. It, it, it really makes me think about, you know, the, the future that I kind of want to build for my family in the sense of, like, do I want... Like, we played a lot of sport growing up, Chase and I, which I got a lot out of, but it also meant that we were at the gym or the, the rinks five six seven times a, a week kind of scenario do it and do i want that or do i want to have the the kids being bored and you know some of my best memories when i was young was catching tadpoles in the ditch and that meant that you know probably all that was was unsupervised time from mom and dad yeah. um, but hell was it fun and i still remember it you know what i mean so yeah. it's just this kind of like really oh sorry uh ethical question you ask yourself about not just parenting but like how, how do we want to move forward in the in the world in some ways yeah you know? it's got to be it's got to be some sort of b the balance i think is a important piece there right i think um i mean when i think our, our childhood we did have some balance where we did have we were like full throttle sports for a few months mm -hmm. but then there was time like lots of times in summertime well, at least in our I, early I remember teens. our dad telling our coach that 
we were going to go hunting that week and we were going to miss a tournament. Oh yeah. And he, he couldn't comprehend what was happening. It was like, no, I'm, I'm taking the kids hunting. They're not going to be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was like, is like shook that this was occurring. <laughs> it's, like, it's not about you. Yeah. Relax. If I could do it any time, any other time of the year, I would. But no, it's it's in the fall. So, yeah, this happened a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Hockey, volleyball. Yeah. See you later. School. Got yeah. Pulled out of school a couple times ago hunting, which is awesome. <laughs> Especially when you get pulled out early and Dad's waiting for you in the parking lot in the pickup truck. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're like, all your school buddies are looking out the window watching you leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quinn, how do you how do you get your start hunting? Like you said you came to it a little later in life. Like yeah. how did that roll around? Well, it, it came um through my my sister's husband's family. And so I kind of knew uh, you know, it's my brother in law and then a, and a couple of his brothers. And we went to church together. We knew each other and stuff like that. And and they'd always tell me these hunting stories. Is he a good guy? You can tell us here. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. 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 Actually, yeah. Um, I get his name is Adam Pauls. I don't know if you know Adam uh, or not, but anyways, he's a North Kelowna boy. He's St. Paul guy, really. Uh, and he's I think he's working with uh, something up in Churchill right now. One of the I can't. Sorry, Adam, I can't remember the name. I would have given you a plug if I could, but <laughs> go to Churchill, visit Adam's company, and, and it'll all be good. Anyways, but so he's he's still kind of in ecotourism oh, okay. uh, being up there, um, but he's just kind of those, one of those kids who just grew up just hunting, but he'd have all these stories about, oh, you know, this is the buck on his trail. Cam. He's a very animated kind of guy, so he'd walk in, he's like, oh, this this buck just came, you know, and you're, and you're just right there with him. And I was like, man, I kind of want to, I kind of want to do that. <laughs> and so, so then my brother-in-law, he, he's like, yeah, come on the next hunting trip with us. So I got to do, a, uh, I think three or four trips with them. Um, and yeah, that's where I shot my, my first, uh, first couple animals. And, um, and then music started getting busy, you know, kind of in my mid twenties. And I just didn't have time to go hunting anymore. And it was kind of one of those things. Where I was like, you know what? That was fun. That was a part of my life. And maybe I'll come back to it later. And uh, even with my band, like a couple of the other guys in the band, they hunt. And so I would try to book uh, Sandhills Casino sometime in like, you know, end of October. And we'll bring our muzzleloaders with us and we'll just push, push during the day and see what we can get. <laughs> nice. But you can't shoot anything after like three o'clock because we've got a show tonight. So, <laughs> so it's basically nice. morning shits only, but we're getting back to the room yeah. at like, you know, 1.30 in the morning. So it's like hard to wake up early and go, but I mean, I've yeah. got some great memories with the band doing that kind of stuff. And, uh, so that's been great. But, and then now it's, it's almost to the point where it's like, you know, with, with, uh, you know, Vanessa and I being out in McGregor, like we're just right on the edge of Westman and like, it's just this beautiful country. And, uh, you know, we got a cabin that we just bought out there too. It's it's on like the middle of ten thousand acres of crown land sort of thing. So it's like crown leases, it's wildlife management, it's the spruce woods provincial park, like it's it's amazing. So now I mean it, there's elk there, deer, bear, turkeys, you know, hogs, that mm. kind of stuff. So it's like, you know, hunting is very quickly jumping right back to the top of my priority list to the point where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, uh I <laughs> I think from middle October till early December, I probably won't play many shows because I just don't want to anymore. And when I talk about like define the sunset that you want to have and then go and and just make it happen. That's all you can do is just, if you don't like your job, find a different way to live your life, to provide for what you need. But at the same point, don't 
get stuck chasing a paycheck because mm-hmm. that's you're never going to sort of get that time back. So find a different way. And so that's kind of the way that I that I kind of analyze things. And I'm like, I want more time in a deer stand. Yeah. I want more time to be just in the woods. I want more time. With, if there's one thing that happened with COVID, it forced and doesn't force me. It allowed me to have more time with my horses. And I'm like, I've never had this much time to just throw horses in the trailer, just get out of town and go ride somewhere and explore. And it's changed my life. Like, in fact, I'm kind of like, I'm excited about this summer. It's going to be busy. Like I play all, I play every weekend, two, two, three times a weekend, basically from last weekend of May till middle of August. Jeez. And it's like, just like, well, where's your summer? I got two weekends that we can go camping and then where are you at? So it's like, no, fall time is going to be, yeah. you know, kind of carve that out of the calendar and, and hold it just sacredly mm-hmm. to say like, this is, I want that time in the woods. So mm-hmm. only way to make that happen is to make it happen. I have to ask did, have you guys ever dusted one when you do your your three p.m. or your twelve? No, no, we are never successful. No, no, that would have been amazing. That would have been an amazing story. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, but what my buddy, uh, my drummer Mike Hebert, uh, down in in uh, Winkler. Uh, he's the, like the most dedicated and actually, and, uh, Bill Western plays pedal steel a bunch for me too. And, uh, has done a bunch of work with both those guys work with a bunch of other bands as well. So they're kind of standards on the, the local music scene country wise. Um, and yeah, both those guys would be, it would have been amazing cause they're hardcore. In fact, those are the two guys that would kind of got me on this train of going, if you want to hunt just don't book us any shows and you can go hunting. (laughs) There was one year actually, there's one year actually where both of them said like, I'm not taking shows. So they did this to me and I still book shows and I just hired subs to play the shows. And now I'm like, you know what guys, let's come to the cabin and let's hunt together. Yeah. And, and we'll just do it that way. So it's kind of like a little bit of a, of a life uh, balance change for me. Yeah. 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 And we got one of those from you guys, well, not from you guys, but um, one of those um, citizen canvas tents. Yeah. Like a bell tent. Yeah. Because we came and hung out with uh, you guys and Josh there at Jackson Lake when you guys were doing some stuff to check it out. And it's like, man, I'm like, that's the greatest. That's the greatest thing ever. We went camping in plus 40 this summer. It was just fine. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I just make sure that I, like the, make sure I kind of open it up before I went to bed just to yeah, kind of yeah. cool things down. But yeah, July long weekend this past year, it was, I don't know, 38 or something like that. It was hot. It was year, yeah. smoking hot. And we had to go to the horse trough. We were camping at Spruce Woods uh, at the equestrian campground. And there's- On not, the south side there? Yeah. Uh, on the south side, yeah, yeah, but then not. There's the equestrian campground, and then we're still back further to the east at the canoe camp. They call it the canoe landing. Okay. Because if you put in your your canoe at Carberry, yeah, you drift around till this camp, and then you drift around till Portage, or mm. wherever. Maybe get off at Austin. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But um, so yeah, we like to go to the canoe camp. No services. Usually it's quieter, but what we're finding is there's more and more generators that are showing up. I mean. Horse trailers can have every, you can have, you know, a $1,500 horse trailer and you can have a $150,000 horse trailer and there's just everything in between. And so as much as we love going to Spruce Woods, you know, with the advent of COVID, more and more people are now discovering, you know, these backcountry campsites. And that's cool. I'm all for everyone being there. 
What I'm not for is running your generator so you can put coffee in the dang coffee pot, you know? And it's yeah, like, yeah. come on guys. Like that's like, and so it's frustrating to me in a lot of ways um, with, with that because we're like, you know, that's why we go and we press onto the woods on our own and we'll just go camp on, on crown land and go, I don't need anything when I camp and I don't want yeah. anything. I just want peace and quiet, but yeah. Some, some folks are looking for those creature comforts still at the, when they're out kind of yeah, looking but, for a little more solitude. But, but it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, if you want that, go to the main like equestrian campground because yeah. it's always louder. There's more people there, whatever. Yeah. Like I've been in that equestrian campground, the canoe campground. There's been nobody there. You hear the elk bugling. You hear the coyotes oh, yipping. It's got this beautiful hay meadow out front. You can watch that sun go down. And it's like, you know, that, that place means the world to me. Mm-hmm. And just the last two summers that we've been there there's one year there was not a single spot like because they've got corrals for horses so you can like show up and you put your horse in these corrals and that way it's nice and convenient to camp and there were no corrals available and and just standing room only horses were tied to trailers and like i've never Jeez. seen this many people here and it's, wow. it's i'm i'm again happy that people are back in the woods riding horses exploring nature I just personally don't like people that much, right? I like yeah. my, like, we'll go camping with, with a couple of families with this kind of thing. So we'll have, you know, a, a mess of kids running around and then six, eight, ten adults kind of. So we're kind of a big group on our own, but we're all just kind of quiet too. So. Yeah. You enjoy the the peace and quiet of that. I was... uh Till I pull up my guitar. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then it's two in the morning and we're still playing music. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, if there's one thing that's uh, louder than a generator, it's... uh I have a few friends. With, if it's not gasoline, it's that it's that uh, brown liquid. You get enough of that brown liquid in them, and they'll yeah. they'll they'll not only be louder than the generator, but they'll run longer than the generator <laughs> too. <laughs> I've uh, I, I stumbled upon that campground actually um, last spring. I think I was looking for places to, to turkey hunt, and I was just kind of cruising around. It was kind of mid morning. Uh, cruising around Spruce Woods, and I, I hadn't spent, I, I don't spend a lot of time out there. I just started going out that way, mm-hmm. and I, like discovering all these really cool spots to hang out. And uh, yeah, I went in there, and I was just kind of like, man, I don't know if I should be here, but I kind of like this spot. And I was just thinking, I was like, I could, I could definitely like hang out here if it's nice and quiet. And it was morning, so things weren't kind of really happening. There's only like two people camping there. There's mm-hmm. somebody camped in a van, and somebody had a horse trailer there. And I it's went probably down. us. We just didn't know you yet. Yeah. <laughs> and I went down to the river, huh. river there, and I was like, "This is a nice freaking spot. Mm-hmm. I could, I could camp here and then wake up and horses. Like I like horses. I'm not that I'd go petting somebody's horse I don't know or whatever, but it'd be cool for like. You think we cool could run scenery, turkey man. camp out of there? Or? Oh, totally. But sounds tempting. I kind of like where our turkey camps at. That's right true. Now, too. That's true. Where do you go? Where do you do you share that? Um, ballpark same kind of area yeah uh, backcountry yeah. yeah northwest 62 no yeah. i don't know. yeah <laughs> you probably yeah. know the spot i i maybe maybe that's by my cabin that's funny yeah but uh you know it's it's funny because I, i'll never be able to post a, a trophy pick of turkeys because we have so many turkeys that hang around our farm 
Like it, they're literally they'll come onto the deck. They'll there was one sitting on our barbecue the other day, and I said, Vanessa, just I saw that. Just, <laughs> just open yeah. the lid. Yeah. Just yeah. open <laughs> the lid. That's so, as, that's as fresh as they get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's funny because they're just like half domesticated. Though they're just they just live in our yard because we're feeding ducks and yeah. and horses and stuff all the time, and and they're just around. So it's it's not been trying to to encourage that at all. In fact, we're trying to like. Hey, like give us space and and go into the woods, but that's uh that that's part of the the like recovery of like turkeys. Well, not recovery, just the population growth of turkeys in Manitoba because that's what they survive on in wintertime, right? That's is, right. Is farms and stuff like that. So, thanks for doing your part in conservation. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's funny because I got a few buddies that are uh, farmers as well, and they they tell the same kind of tale. Actually, the guy we were turkey hunting with last spring, Wes. Um, he was telling us back in the day when they used to have like a flock of 200 around their house and wow. it was just like, excuse me, same kind of thing. He's like, they would be pecking at the windows. It, yep. it, was, it was, he said it was nuts, but I guess they had a couple bad winters in a row and it kind of knocked them back in there, mm-hmm. that area. But, um, it's kind of funny how that works. Cause they're, they seem so domesticated on the farm site, but man, sometimes trying to catch them out in the woods, they're like. Mm-hmm. You catch a flash of them, and that's all you see. That's right. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm I'm, uh, I'm hoping to uh, get into the woods next weekend there, and and kind of get into that, and get that's that'll be the next kind of discipline of hunting that I just want to kind of dive into because yeah. I think it'd be so fun. Oh yeah, totally. And we, we'll be camping all the time. We'll just we'll hear turkeys all around us. It was last year actually. We were kind of taking that tent out for the first trip, first weekend of April, and there were turkeys all around us in the woods. And it's such a neat feeling when you wake up and you just hear them gobbling everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty That's neat. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's also a little bit different. Like, lots of people hunt them on the farmland, which is cool. We got ours on the farmland last spring. Um, I've been struggling for a couple of years trying to find them in the woods, but it is cool to hear them out in the woods like mm-hmm. that, too. Yeah. I, I was I was thinking about our turkey the, the, the other day, too, and that, that was... I, I swear to God that we turned into Kentucky when we came off that dirt road because we turned onto another dirt road, which is essentially like a mud road mm-hmm. and it had rolling hills and it looked like probably a lot of corn for growing, uh, fixing bourbon. And I could not believe that we were still in Manitoba there. Um, just by the way the landscape was unfolding and, and, and the, the hills and the dirt road itself, like the, it was almost like that. I don't know. Maybe it's just cause I'm so, used to the red river and everything's like clay and like like really hard dirt but this was like really like loose almost red dirt and i'm like man i feel like i'm down south right now and yeah. that turkey came those turkeys came in on like a, a string so it was almost yeah it was all, all aspects of that hunt were was surreal in so many different ways yeah that's really cool cool thing about that area too is like it's totally different compared to what we're used to yeah just not yeah. the same um Quinn and I, I'll, I'll share a story here, and I'm I'm not sure if you'll have anything to say about it, and that's completely fine. <laughs> but I got to tell you, the closest thing I've ever been to a country song in my life is, uh, Chase, I'm not sure if you're there, but we were having a beer up in the bar in Ethelbert one night, right before we rolled into deer camp. And this guy walks in, and he had, like, chaps and a cowboy hat on. And we're all kind of laughing, and we're like, this guy looks like he rode in on a country song. And uh, we were there for the wing night. Um, and uh, I don't have you been around Ethelbert at all? It's like just north of Dauphin, a little way. I've never played the bar there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But you know the area. Well, relatively. Yeah. 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 I know Dauphin better. Yeah. <laughs> so as we're leaving that night, it's like this really like calm, foggy evening. And we, we're walking back to the truck. And sure enough, this guy had his horse roped up to the, the telephone pole outside. And we're like, holy shit. This guy <laughs> rode into town to ha- come catch a beer at the bar. Not only that... It, He's got like the perfect like DD on the way home because he just like saddle up and like this horse probably yeah. takes him <laughs> right back to his house. No problems asked, right? So yeah. like, I don't know. I've never seen something like that in my life before, but it was just cool to be a part of it for <laughs> just a moment. I've, uh, I've heard stories like that. Yeah. On numerous occasions for small town bars. Yeah. And hey. uh, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if some fellows ever get too whiskeyed up and just get in trouble for tearing up the ditches with the horses. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe take the wrong horse away. Wouldn't that be embarrassing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the horse would probably get you back home eventually. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, like, as much as you think that maybe you're able to dodge the law, what is the uh, – is a horse a conveyance? Is that, what, is that what it is? Yeah, I think they changed the the law from like a motor, motor vehicle, vehicle yeah. to now it's a conveyance, so something that'll take you somewhere. Oh, jeez. So I think that is actually now they're oh. tr- now they're trying to outlaw it. Yeah, <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not just an outlaw, but yeah. a lawyer too. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Oh, oh man, no. it'd be a little different writing writing country songs about conveyances too. <laughs> but there's a, a a buddy of mine from out in Alberta. He he tells this story, and I don't I haven't heard that story for a number of years now. But um, you know, one bar closed earlier than the other bars. So this guy would. Um, you know, go to the first bar and, and get his drinks and then he'd hop on his horse and rip in the ditch, you know, whatever it was, five miles to the next bar to catch last call before he went home for the night. And, <laughs> you know, if you're driving down that highway, you'd see his big yellow slicker blowing in the wind behind him. Cause <laughs> you know, the guy has a name and so everyone knows, hey, that's that's Jim. He's on his way for, you know, last call at whatever bar. And so, yeah, my, my buddy wrote a song about it. I've got to find it. But it's that's a good cool, man. Yeah. That's so cool. Um I'm kind of curious too. When did uh, when did the cowboy scene kind of make its make its appearance in your life? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I grew up with uh, my my grandpa used to raise standard bred racehorses, so those are the ones that pull the little cart behind them, and uh, whatever. So I grew up with all these pictures and stories of our family horses. But grandpa passed away six months after I was born, they sold the farm a few years before he passed. So that was out in Manitou. And so I grew up seeing photos everywhere Mm. with my family. Like my, there's my grandma, there's my cousins, there's my uncle, there's whatever. And those were our horses in those photos. And it's kind of like, just as a kid growing up, you're like, that was never afforded to me. But I knew from a young age that through that connection, I'm like, this is part of me still. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, basically the second that I could, I got out of Winnipeg and I grew up in North Kelowna. And so I got out of Winnipeg as soon as I could. And then, um, just started riding, riding horses then. And, uh, you know, we used to always go to the Calgary stampede, you know, where my dad would take me to the Morris rodeo. And so it's kind of neat then when like, so we're going to play the Morris rodeo two nights this year. And it's kind of fun to be like, I remember being 10 years old and being here yeah. and, and now I get to kind of still be here. And actually my daughter's going to ride in the, the, you know, junior horse show, Vanessa's daughter and Vanessa are going to ride flags at the beginning of the rodeo. And so it's, it's so cool to like, like I grew up with that and I felt like that was a part of me that was missing. And now it's like, that is just actually my life now. And just, so 
you know, I don't think it, I surprised anybody in my family when, when, you know, I got into horses and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, maybe they didn't think I was going to be as extreme as I am, in it. but <laughs> full send. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All or nothing. That's, that's the sunset I wanted. So I just went and made that sunset happen. So, oh man, that's so cool. Um, kind of a little bit jealous cause I always had this like, uh, like dream growing up. I, I was always into like the, the cowboy kind of movies and stuff like that. And I was like, oh man, how cool would it be just the one day just like be riding around on a horse with your slick and, and like ride into town and go grab some <laughs> get, beers get beer. and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and have like a, a couple pistols on your hips or whatever. You know oh, what I mean? Boy. Like that, that whole scene. Yeah. That's whole John Wayne right there. That's yeah. Fun. That's, but yeah. obviously it's not, uh, well, maybe, maybe just, people. you know, leave those sidearms out the of pistols it. Pistols can stay at but, home now. Yeah, maybe yeah. they stay at home, but maybe, maybe that's a, a chance to go and ride and, and camp on the banks of the Assiniboine and, yeah. and kind of get to go. see some, you know, and then actually sneak down to the river and do some fly fishing, right? I might never come back. Yeah. Yeah. Now, tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about it. In fact, I would have been texting Vanessa today, like, like, that's what I want to do. Like, that is... That is where I am at in my yeah. mind. Like I gotta find a way to make that work. Yeah, you guys are actually kind of have a, a unique business kind of prospect that's percolating a little bit here, where mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're doing. Yeah, well, I mean, we we've got between us, we've got four kids, and all the kids like to ride. So now, when you have all the kids together, well, you know, her oldest one is not necessarily that into riding. She's seventeen and got a car, so you know, do you really yeah. want to ride a horse anymore? But uh, who knows? She said she wanted to come riding this summer, so we'll see. But you have to have enough horses that the kids can ride. So we're kind of stuck there. I think we're up to eight horses right now, which is way too many. Mm. But whatever, it is what it is. I was before our uh, before I walked in the house here, it was uh, quickly buying more hay because we're both out of hay right now because oh, the spring has taken so long. So yeah. it's like, you know, headaches like that that you got to deal with. But but we're riding in this area that we love to ride. We uh, we spend a lot of time near Austin, um, right on Highway 34 there. There's a great set of trails there that we just love to ride. And uh, we were riding there one day and just found this new trail, beautiful sunset, this moment that you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is what we get to do. And Vanessa says, it's a shame that no one comes and rides with us because we've got the horses that our kids can ride, meaning somebody who can't really ride can probably ride our horses. Why don't we do this? And so... Uh, her farm is called Woodside Farms because uh, we've got the old Woodside School from Woodside, Manitoba. They moved it to McGregor in 1965 or something like that. But it's a 100-year-old schoolhouse, and it's neat because we've got all like the old artifacts from the school as well. So um, we're like, oh, Woodside Outfitters, there it is. Let's take people riding. And because we love camping, let's take people camping too. And so that's kind of what we've been working on. And it was supposed to be a 10-year build, right? That was That's a job I want to I want to build that business so in 10 years – that's what I'm going to do. And then just kind of like, if you want something done, you get somebody busy to do the job, right? That's mm-hmm. not what they say. So it's like, man, life is busy. I don't have time for it. Hey, let's start a new business. And instead of letting it sit on the back burner and take 10 years to build, it's like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's move this. Let's, and then all of a sudden we're buying a cabin and it's like now people have a place. Because last year nobody had a place to stay when they came out. It was, our, it was like our, our soft launch last year. We just took a, took about 10 rides out to see what it was like, but nobody had a place to stay. So we're like, well, how are we going to deal with that? So now we bought a cabin so people can just stay at the cabin when they come out and ride. And, and it just kind of 
perfectly nestled right at the trailhead of where we ride. There's one house there and it's ours now. So, no so we'll kind of see how, um, you know, things unpack over the next couple of years, but it's such a unique thing where you can like, Hey, let's, cause I'll bring even my guitar on my back and I got a wolf and grizzly, um, like a uh, uh, fire pit that goes in my saddlebag. Yeah, yeah. So we'll pull up on this ridge and I can have a contained fire in my fire pit, pull up my guitar, play some songs, watch the sun go down, have a bottle of wine and just like, Hey, this is kind of the experience that we're trying to build. So it's like a four hour night. Like it's, it's a big ride, especially when you don't ride a lot. Mm-hmm. Four hours is a long time to be in the saddle. So but it's part of the experience. Like, so I don't, as far as I know, I don't know anything that's kind of similar to that that's going on in this province. You know, maybe in Alberta, there's probably a bit more of that kind of stuff. But, yeah. but out here, and we just got this, this absolute gem of a location where, you know, that Assiniboine River, I'm just in love with that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that river. Yeah. It's uh, the way ecotourism and the, um, like small Airbnb and like the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the cozy cabin kind of stuff is going down. Yep. I don't think you guys could have picked a better time to launch something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I wish I would have picked it two years ago. Yeah. Because then we would have been up yeah. and running by now. And I mean, it's still things like, you know, you're building a website and you're like, do the integrations work right? And it's like, it's hours and hours of pre-planning mm-hmm. before. So, you, you know, it's easy to set up an Instagram account and then, you know, get people to follow it. But it's another thing to be like, like... How is this booking process going to actually work? Do we have all of our checks and balances in place? Are we legit? Do we, you know, like it's just, it's a lot of steps into that process. So this will be a fun summer uh, to kind of explore that. The other thing I was actually chatting with a buddy about, because we try to keep it small. Like it's the cabin, it's a two bedroom cabin, sleep six, but it's supposed to be something where it's like, this is anniversaries, this is celebrations, this is proposals. This is like, it's an event because this, this whole ride is like it's a lot of it's a lot of work for the for the the guests to come and be a part of it right you're committing a lot to going and doing that so i'll even like you know hey you know what was your wedding song and i'll learn your wedding song and pull it out as a surprise for your spouse as we're sitting there watching the sun go down and it's kind of like Jeez. creating those kind of yeah, moments yeah. right <laughs> that's what i'm being a musician is just creating a moment for people so we're kind of taking that same that same theory but i was um sitting around having some uh, homemade tomato soup at my buddy's house on Sunday night. And he's a wagon driver. So he's got a chuck wagon. He's got a team of mules. And uh, he's kind of one of those guys that really took me under his wing and, and got me like really hardcore into cowboying. And so I like volunteered at the community pasture when he was working there. And uh, when we first started Ranch Rodeo, he's the guy that called me and invited me. And I was like, I don't have the horse parts. Like, it doesn't matter. Ride one of mine. Just come and be a part of it. And so now, you know, he's a great friend of mine. And, and, uh, He's going like, what can we do with these wagons? And I'm like, well, there's like miles and miles and miles of wagon trails we can do. We can now take 10 to 15 people at a time on one of these rides by the time you have the horses and by the time you have room in the wagon. So now all of a sudden you can start doing some, you know, what, what, a team building, like corporate mm-hmm. team building yeah. and doing stuff like, like when could you, if you had a family, when could you take 10 of them on an outfitted camp? in the middle of the woods and listen to the elk bugle. Yeah. Right? Like just it's just one of those things that that that's what speaks to me and I just want to facilitate that and so that's uh, Woodside Outfitters. That's where we're headed. I love how that that's like the the evolution of that and that's how it's like kind of 
it fits you perfectly and it's just kind of taken off. And it's almost one of those things that the world perfectly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, but, but at the same point, you know, like my daughter's 10 and she loves horses. She loves music. I want her to be able to talk to people, make conversation. You know, a lot of times you can like just the way that life is like, like kids don't necessarily get the chance to talk, especially for the last couple of years, that social depravity, just where they haven't had a chance to kind of be out there talking to people. Mm-hmm. I want her to be out there doing that. I want her to be engaging with people, learning that, hey, when we get to camp, your job is to make them comfortable. Mm-hmm. Not for yourself to go and find a chair and relax. You're going to make them comfortable. Then you're going to put their horse away. And then you're going to come back and help make dinner for them. So you're learning like this. It's fun the whole time. Like we're laughing and engaging with people and talking with them. But as a 10 year old too, you're like, I actually have a job when I'm here. Mm-hmm. And she is just like, when's her next ride? When's the next time we're taking pe- people out? Like yeah, she yeah. is just absolutely over the moon for this. And and uh, one of Vanessa's daughters equally like that as well. So it's almost like we're doing this more for the kids just yeah. kind of saying hey this is a fun way that you can work this is a summer job for you for the next 10 years if you want it some good uh, life building skills right there absolutely right. yeah it's interesting quentin I, I hear you describe that and like i've i've been always drawn to the like the outfitting side of things too i've never made it work for myself chase chase outfitted for a while and i would always kind of admire from a distance um but i always felt like Hey, I'm not the guy to put you on the biggest buck or the, you know, the largest bull or the the longest trout in the stream kind of, but what you're describing to me makes a lot of sense because what I'm really interested in is I'm interested in connecting people with the experiences that I, I get to do when I'm, when I'm out there. So it's not, Lord knows I haven't shot the biggest buck around and I, I probably never will, but what I, I think really resonates with me is just how um i think people are, are seeking that connection in so many different ways and you know whether it's it, it's a trail ride or going out in a uh, and doing a hunt or a fish like just doing something that's either out of their wheelhouse or something that seems authentic in some way that's not just plugging numbers into a computer or or those kind of experiences so the way the way you framed it really sits well with me in the sense of like how how do we help connect people to that? How do we ease their access to that? And how do we share some of a piece of us that we really value in some ways too, right? It goes exactly back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation when we said like, you know, I we all have that experience where we've been out hunting, we've been in the woods by ourselves or with our close buddies and the snow starts to fall. We can hear the coyotes all around us. We just had this beautiful interaction with a deer, whether we harvested or whether we passed on it. Yeah. And that's what draws us to the woods. But that moment where you kind of breathe in and you go like, holy cow, if I was not in the woods right now, I would not be experiencing yeah. this moment. Mm-hmm. And that's really when I said that as a musician, you're trying to create a moment <laughs> with Woodside Outfitters, we just want to facilitate a moment again to have people just build their own memory right yeah you, you, you can feel the wind bite your face a bit and the the, the pine creeps into your nose a yeah. little oh man i just i i get goosebumps just thinking about it yeah but, makes oh. you feel alive man oh yeah that's <laughs> it eh? that's it i was sick of this winter but um yeah. oh, and, good. And and this, <laughs> this spring too yeah <laughs> oh i'm so done with it but like i i know i've always said if i i've never saw, seen another poplar in my life i'd be i'd be sad um you know, hearkening back to the prairies, but also 
like there's something about that first snowfall and that you know when I do feel that wind bite my face and it's just like oh I'm alive still I'm still kicking here we go uh, it's time to get back into game mode again in some ways too because that's what the fall is I think for us a lot too it chase it's like a put your game face on in a lot of ways and yeah um you might sacrifice a little sleep and a little sanity and a little employability, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I, I almost think it's like uh, I don't, I don't know if it, it like allows me to appreciate um, the seasons more living here in Manitoba because like by the time winter's done, I'm I'm done with winter and kind of like you said, Tristan, when when uh, I'm looking forward to summer, and then by the time summer's done, I'm I'm done with summer pretty much yeah and looking forward to the fall looking forward to that first snowfall and then the the cycle kind of rolls rolls through again i often think like how much it would suck to live in san diego no offense to anyone living in san diego (laughs) we have a lot of listeners (laughs) yeah (laughs) 25 and sunny every day like come on that's just (laughs) yeah where's the excitement yeah i I like i like visiting down south but the same thing too man i was like i I couldn't imagine like having Mm. A winter without snow would just be yeah, just be weird. You know what? I found out the the thing that makes bourbon bourbon, and bourbon's my favorite whiskey. In case no one's tuned into that yet, or favorite drink, um, is that that the oak not not only the charlotte barrels, but in Kentucky where it's made is actually quite unique in the sense of that the temperature fluctuations that they get will cause the the liquid in the barrels to draw in and out of that oak. So it actually intensifies the flavor even that much more. So there's through that that change in that that drastic swing there's actually like something really cool that comes out of that process yeah, no kidding. yeah. Right. i didn't know that yeah so i i'm all for it mainly because i i found that after i found that out after i love bourbon but it just adds to the the story in some ways <laughs> fell in love with bourbon first yeah i've always said too i've never met a bourbon i didn't like so <laughs> something to be said about that Wow, there's a there's a, a mission for you to maybe try and find one that you don't. <laughs> I'm going to uh, store that song line away, actually. <laughs> Never met a bourbon I didn't like. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes sometimes I'll text Dell and I'll, I'll, I'll just send something sneaky that I, I think is slightly poetic. And he's I've never heard it crop up in any of his songs yet, but uh, I'm still waiting. Maybe one day I'll, I'll see something that I said to him. We were uh, sitting around with some friends. Uh, I guess what last year at this time, we were talking about like, you know, with COVID and, and like, there's always that thing that you wanted to do and you put it off when you're busy cause you don't have time to do. It. And you're always like, ah, someday, some Sunday I'll get to it. Sourdough. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whatever. It's kind of like, and, and, and I saved that line someday, Sunday. And I was, uh, on a co-write with, uh, Jason McCoy. He's one of the, uh, road hammers, kind of a okay. great Canadian man, just a, Gem of a human, but like a monster songwriter. Like yeah. working with him is phenomenal. And uh, we're his daughter's about you know ten, twelve, and she's into horses and stuff in Ontario. And my daughter's into horses. So we were talking like for a couple of years. We got to write a song about being a dad to a horse girl, kind of thing. And and then uh, we started kicking around ideas. And I said, oh, well, someday, someday. And uh, he's like, Yep, that's it. And he just starts riffing on it. And it's no like, way. yeah. And so that's actually, uh, that song will be coming out hopefully sometime August, September. But it was sitting around with friends, and they just mentioned it in passing, and that's how songwriting kind of goes. Like, that's so cool. Yeah, you just store it away, and then, and then you come back and revisit in a couple of weeks and go, I like that one. Yeah. yeah so That's so cool. 
That's don't don't steal that one, anyone else who's yeah. out there listening right now. Don't steal that one. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna copyright that as fast yeah. as I can. You, you heard it here first, though. Maybe, yeah. maybe that count uh, that counts as a copyright. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a poor man's copyright. I think I've, I've yeah. heard that term before. No kidding. Um, you got a new song. We kind of want to talk about a little bit tonight too. You mm-hmm. kind of mentioned it a bit, but I got to ask you first before we get into that. Um, the chicken hat, the rooster hat. Oh. Is that a rabbit riding a rooster? No, it's a man. Oh, is it? This is a guy named oh, yeah. Sam Herb. Vanessa bought me this hat only because of the logo. It's a, it's a fire-breathing rooster with a man playing a guitar on its back. And she just thought, that's a hat you should probably have. So she ordered me one. And then I followed this guy on Instagram and then tagged his photo a bunch of times or tagged his name a bunch of times wearing the hat. And we messaged back and forth a little bit. He's somewhere down in the States. I don't even know how Vanessa found him, but... Um, yeah. That's a cool hat. Sam like Herb. That. That's <laughs> legit. Yeah. We, Samuel Herb music. We better snap a pic of that. Yeah. Or like, uh, so <laughs> folks can see what it's actually all about. Yeah. 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 It's For a sure. pretty, pretty monstrous merch logo. It's pretty sweet. No kidding. That's yeah. amazing. So I, I think I kind of want to chat about, you know, new music coming out for you too here. And uh, you've, you've obviously, I imagine at the start of your career, Music career, like launching new music, must have been just. I, how would you explain the feeling of like putting out like a record or a new song or whatever? A lot of a lot of um, artists will kind of equate a female artist. Uh, um, my friend Des Dorian just uh, put a new song out, and she's kind of like it's kind of like giving birth. It's your baby that comes out, and you know, got to introduce it to the world, kind of thing. I don't know that I necessarily connect with it the same way. It's probably a little bit more of like. This is something that I wanted to say. This is where I was at when I was kind of, this is what I was going through. This song that's coming out is kind of funny because it's, um, it's a really fun song and it's really not about that much. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's like your old timer who's, you know, cooking, cooking bourbon. And, uh, you know, you got to know the right knock on the door if you want to get it. The cops don't know about it yet. But, uh, you know, it's that kind of a story. And then, and yeah. then uh, you know, it ends up the guy falls in love with the girl and, and you know, they're out dancing. And then, yeah. And it, I mean, a lot of it is I, I wrote it with uh, down in Tennessee with a fellow named Jason Blaine, who's another Canadian just songwriting monster mm-hmm. uh, who who's based down there. And so, you know, great guy to work with. And, and again, he's kind of like Jason McCoy, just they can riff and riff and riff and riff. And I'm like, it sounds like you've written 10,000 songs in your career because you have written 10,000 songs in your career, right? <sighs> it's like a muscle, right? The more that you work yeah. the muscle, the better off, the better writer that you are kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, I wrote it with Jason, but I mean, it was, it was so funny because there's such an element of the song that's like just me and Vanessa too, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're both, uh, you know, country music is one of those things that, that, uh, draw us together and songwriters and stuff. And so Keith Whitley is, is kind of just a guy who we both just love. So I name dropped Keith Whitley into the song and Jason's like, are you sure you want to do that? I'm like, yeah, this is part of my story. This yeah. is my story. Cause when you co-write, like you lose part of your own voice. Like, so that yeah. 300,000 kilometers, I told you that story, that was 100% my co-write, or, sorry, my right. So it's my interpretation of the story. Um, and I and when I hear it, it's like, yeah, that sounds like me writing. Now, when I listen to a co-write, it sounds far less like me writing and more of a hybrid, right? So there's, mm-hmm. you know, I remember writing this line 
or I remember this line or that. And I remember, you know, Jason came up with, you know, this part here and this part here. So you, like in your mind, you remember how it came together, but it's never just yours kind yeah. of thing. So it's a little bit of a different kind of feeling that way. But, um, you know, there's certain lines in the song that I had to keep because I'm like, this This is where it's me yeah. in this part here. So, yeah. you know, so it's, uh, yeah, super fun song. I, I, I work out um, in Toronto with Pete Lesperance uh, from Sharp Nine Music, and uh, he played in a band, he still does, uh, called Harem Scarum. So it's this hair metal band. And they're amazing. And he's the guitar player for it. So melodic, so, you know, interesting to listen to his playing, his interpretation of melody. Um, But then to kind of turn over the reins to him and say, let's make a country song, a 90s influenced country song. And he just nailed it. So I'm very, very excited for this song to come out and kind of get the wheels, wheels turning. I mean, you kind of go through the last two years without doing anything. So I'm, I'm not really nervous about putting it out. I'm just excited to get the wheels back in motion. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting he- hearing you talk about like uh, writing the songs and, and how, you know, when you co-write things sound a little bit, not like you, but, but there, in my mind too, there has to be like a bit of an evolution of yourself. And I, I feel like, like co-writing has to be a, a, a good way to discover some new avenues or new thoughts that might eventually become part of you as well yeah no you're absolutely right Right. because it's always a give and a take and you're always kind of like the rule as a songwriter is like it's just everything for the sake of the song so you have an idea i have an idea the first like you're always like in a race to like give up your opinion Mm -hmm. kind of thing and just saying like unless it's something very serious or like no i need to say keith whitley i don't need to say some random country singer it's because keith whitley means something to me that's why i have to use that name um but a lot of times it's like i don't know about this and you're like no i like him like perfect that's your gut sense let's go with your gut and and take it yeah so it's a lot of it's a lot of give actually when you songwrite when you co-write and a lot of artists don't necessarily like especially into that folk world like the folk artists i find don't co-write but in the country world we all co-write. Mm-hmm. So it's funny to me to like work with, um, you know, I wrote a song with a fellow named Rich Inman, who's a great kind of folk writer, folky country. Um, you know, he spends a lot of time out in Alberta, but but he came over and we're just sitting around. And I had all these ideas of like, I want to write this, I want to write this. And he just sat there just quietly, just quietly. And I'm like, we should have a song. Can we marry like card playing and cattle and broken hearts like can we can we somehow marry those together and he goes i fold them when i can and i i hold them when i can i fold them when i can't and you know losing money don't hurt as bad as losing you and i'm like oh this is going to be a good one and we just worked our way through the song and we're kind of stuck at the very last line and we're just like again it's like this moment where we get there but you need to push each other through it to Mm -hmm. kind of Whatever and and Rich just like you know I'm sitting here playing cards with a dealing stud with a devil and a ghost kind of thing I'm like oh man that's a great line I need to talking about a broken heart and loneliness and mm-hmm. being by yourself and you're like man so it's it's funny how you like have those kind of moments when you write and Vanessa and I have, have co-written together too actually and and that's always interesting because you know it's like the the, the catchphrase in Nashville is like verse chorus lunch. And you never come back to finish the song because you lose where you were at. Yeah. So it's like you can't stop. If it's a good verse and a good chorus, you have to keep pushing on. And she was like, she's like, I'm so tired. I got to go to bed. I'm like, 
you sit down right now and we're finishing this song because if we don't, we'll never finish it. And we finish and it's, and it's just a, a beautiful song and I want to get it um, synced. So that'd be like looking for a, a TV placement. That's kind of my yeah. goal for that kind of a song. So to get it synced to TV. But uh, And it, I mean, sitting around with Brooke too, like she wrote her first song the other day, like Horse Come Here, I want to saddle you up. And so we're talking about melody and talking about rhymes cool. and do you have to rhyme? No. Uh, like different ways of kind of working your way through a song. But I mean, yeah. that's pretty fun to like, oh, so cool, man. yeah, I'd love to co-write with her on a song that like actually does something. And like, that's your college fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> or you're going to, you know, say that you're not going to school and you're going to buy a guitar and move to Tennessee. And I'm like, how yeah. do, how do artists sing about broken hearts with like their wives or husbands in the, in the seats? Like how's the, how's that dynamic play out? We've all gone through it before. Yeah. Right. So it's not like it's one of those things where it's like, I haven't experienced it. You know, yeah. I, I have experienced and I'm jaded. I've got jaded corners of my life too, because of frustration and hurt and heartbreak. Right. So yeah. it's, um, I hear you, but when I watch the good artists perform too, like I can see them almost teleport back and I'm like, holy man, that was painful for me. I can't imagine like yep. if, if I was sleeping with you there, Quentin, what it'd feel like. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's kind of one of those those things though too, like, like as an artist, you're an interpreter of songs right. and of music. And the greatest thing about country music is the way that it makes you feel, right? You can listen to a song like, you know, back to the nineties, you remember when from Alan Jackson and you're like, holy cow, that song makes me feel something. The dance from Garth Brooks, yeah. like, like, man, like that, that song could break you down when you're in that right moment. Or you can be in a really high point in your life and you just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. But there's a reason why that song gets played at funerals because it's that low moment of thinking back, like, wow, what a memory we made in our lives together. And I don't want to be in this moment now, but I would have never traded the dance to get to this point. So it's stuff like that that are just like, you know, that's what I, <laughs> and, and I mean, de depending on where, where you're at and how, how manly you are, but like, it's kind of one of those things where like, like country music has broken me down before. And you're just kind of like, wow, that song hit me. And a lot of that kind of stuff would be like, yeah, songs talking about loss. And I'm like, I don't want to experience that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to have to go through that. But somebody went through that with a lot of pain to the point where when they tell this story as a songwriter, I'm listening, I'm engaging, I'm following along everything from the playing to the delivery and interpretation of the lyrics. I'm a wreck. Right. Because because country music has that ability to draw in and and just crush you sometimes. And at the same point, it's kind of fun to sometimes like laugh and joke around and have like, uh, you know, Folsom Prison playing it or whatever kind of song playing in the background or Chattahoochee or, mm -hmm. you know, Brad Paisley or Zach Brown band, whoever that we're kind of listening to at the moment. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this is fun. This is, this is kind of like taking me from like, you know, I was in a low spot and now it's lifting me up. So yeah, country music is kind of unique that way. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, driving in the truck with my daughter and, uh, Looked over one time and she's crying. Like, <laughs> what's going on? And she's like, the song is just so sad. And I'm like, it's not that sad. <laughs> but it is. I get I get where you're coming from. And she's, you know, able to kind of put the pieces of the story together and, yeah. and let it affect her. And so, I mean, I'm all for, like, that's, 
you know, when you ever like look at like a blues player or whatever, and they're always like closing their eyes and like they're they're making these funny faces, like where Hendrix would do that or whatever, right? And it's like that's them interpreting what they're playing. It's not a show. That's them interpreting the music coming out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, probably one of the best interpreters of music that I can think of would be Emmy Lou Harris. Like she mm-hmm. is, you know. 70s, 80s. She's still relevant now. They'll call her the godmother of Americana. So she was kind of country, but not necessarily, you know, she kept on putting music out and would uh, kind of evolve into this whole new genre that, that you know, is, is such a, a foundational part of the American songbook now. But um, just her ability to interpret songs that she didn't write, but that you would believe that she wrote, right? Because she can just interpret them so well. Mm-hmm. So, in, yeah, it's interesting how that becomes a part of being a musician. You don't have to write songs mm-hmm. in order to have those connections with it. But I find that I don't necessarily see that the same way in pop music. Right. Right. Where you're mm-hmm. like, in, like. Doesn't one guy write all the songs in pop music, basically? One, uh, what's his name there? Some, some like Swedish guy or something like that. He's got the formula where it's like you only use. Oh, I'm so bad at music. Music is a formula, right? Pop music. Like, and yeah. when I say pop music, I mean yeah, yeah. popular music. Like yeah, yeah. if whether you're listening to classic rock, that that's probably a little bit more free form, but there's definitely um like if you want to look at that that, you know, a Pearl Jam song compared to a Metallica song and compared to a Foo Fighter song, there's a formula there that yeah. they're all following. It's just mm-hmm. there's maybe a little bit more free form in rock and roll, but um yeah, in pop music for sure. It's like like this you can't have this you have to and in country music that's probably the worst where you have to hit the chorus within a minute you have to say the song title within the first 30 seconds of it you you can't Jeez. go longer than three minutes and 30 seconds and that kind of stuff so it's like if you want a song on the radio you literally i actually took a course on it i went uh so which is the um the organization that represents songwriters mm-hmm. so they actually put on this songwriter camp that i got to attend a number of years back and they literally had a textbook on this is how you write a hit yeah and it's interesting because i never try to write hits so (laughs) you know that's never been like i said i'm never trying to be brad paisley or be this thing i'm just like i'm quentin i'm from manitoba and i like the outdoors i like horses (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) i hope you start every show like that i I, I hope you do hi folks i'm quinn blair i'm outdoors and i like the I like horses. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wonder if that's like, uh, like how did how did a who figured out that formula and b how was that formula thing? Like, is that just society making its impression on music, or is that like yeah listeners. something like yeah. like deeper connected to us that like that that's the way you know a song should sound, or did somebody say? This is how a song should sound. This is good music. Well, you probably write it off of like, how come this song was so good? How come this song did well for so many years? Mm -hmm. And what did they do that makes them stand out or be unique? Well, now we want to copy that. So they'll typically tell you, write a song that a mom wants to hear at eight o'clock in the morning. So maybe a night full of like, like not a good night's sleep, kids running around, trying to do makeup, trying to do lunches, trying to get ready for the day. She has to like your song. So you can't like, you can, the, the, not always the case, but like typically like when you're writing the song, that person has to be the survivor and you can't have anything that's going to be like 
chipping that away. So mm-hmm. that's why you'd have songs like that, you know, from that have come through talking about, you know, and I mean, championing your wife and your partner and, and your mother and all that kind of stuff like that. That is such a solid spot. But as a songwriter, that's what they teach us at the songwriting camp saying she has to like your song at eight o'clock in the morning. If she likes her song at eight o'clock in the morning, you lifted her spirits. She was kind of catching on to the melody. She liked the the tempo of the song. She liked the chorus. She was doing all these other things and she could still focus on what the chorus was and you made her feel good about herself. And that song's a hit. Hmm. And that's, I mean, whether that's true or not, who knows, but that's what they tell you at these, mm-hmm. at these yeah, camps. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you write any songs for the, uh, the fellas at around 12 o'clock at night when the moon's real high? <laughs> Just wondering. <laughs> I don't even follow that. Well, those are the ones I listen to. You know, ones where you're uh, maybe feeling a little good and you're 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 kind of measure out whether you're going to mortgage the future tonight or if you gotcha, gonna, gotcha, yeah. yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. That's probably more along the lines of what twenty dollar bottles all about. Yeah, right. Like it's just like that one is. Uh, it's a fun story, you know, small town fallen in love and just, you know, waking up the next morning with, you know, pounding in your brain because last night hit you like a runaway train. <laughs> so, you know, it's stuff like that yeah. where it's like, yeah, I think that's uh, that's right on par for that. And uh, yeah, I've got a couple of songs like that too where it's like um, my grandmother passed away a number of years ago and I wanted to write her a song. She was like, you know, deeply spiritual woman. She was a very deep thinker and she wanted to share her philosophy on life and, and was, you know, an influence in her community in that. And so she passed away and I'm trying to write a song, like seize the day. Life is short, like live your best life. And I'm like, everything just sounds lame. Like it's not really coming through the way I want it to. And so I was sitting in my basement and I had, my songwriting room was the spare bedroom. So I'm like sitting on the bed and like, <laughs> I'm on the couch right now, just facing the wall and the light's shining over my shoulder. I'm like, he could see his shadow on the wall where he sits. He checks his watch and he, he checks the sun. He whispers, boy, this is it. And I just, that was it. It was a, it was a song about a trailer park and a series of like unfortunate events. And I'm like, that's the song I wrote for my grandma. And so, sorry, Grandma. <laughs> this is what you influenced, and and this oh, is what man. came out. But it's a, it's a yeah, total uh, a little bit of a of a dark cheating, and and uh, maybe almost that. Uh, I don't know if it would be. It's not a murder ballad, but it's like there's definitely it's yeah. up tempo and rock, and it's a polka actually of all things. Because <laughs> so who writes polkas these days? Yeah. Yeah. But um, no, that's and that's probably one of uh, one of the uh, the fan favorites. We'll close most shows with that song because it morphs perfectly into uh, um, Orange Blossom Special. So that's a you know a, just one of those kind of fiddle tunes that you hear and you're going, oh, I know this song. Oh, yeah. And everyone goes crazy. So it's, I always laugh. Brenton Thorvaldson was my longtime fiddle player. He's on the road with a band called Tim and the Glory Boys. So he doesn't uh, play much with me. He's going to, whatever, do a couple shows this year. He's but, a Selkirk boy. Yeah. I, I always call him the future mayor of Selkirk, Manitoba. <laughs> that's how he gets the band introduction. But uh, so it's funny. We'll go to a show and I'll play... 35 songs that night and it's just like we're working hard and I'm engaging with the crowd and and then he plays Orange Blossom Special and the roof just comes off and there's people standing <laughs> on the tables and they're just going wild and like one song one song with a fiddle and that's all you need so yeah, yeah I uh, I got tired of trying to follow it so now I put it as the last song so that yeah. <laughs> go out on yeah, that yeah. note and then it's sure over off. but yeah 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 Oh man, it's 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 funny how uh, some of those instruments can can kind of 
really guide the energy. Like some of the some of the more memorable nights I've had in uh, in a pub or something is where you know there's there's a fiddle ripping or something like that. That's right? part of that's part of Manitoba, right? Yeah. That's a that's a part of of music in Manitoba, and man, I I went years without a fiddle, and it's I because it's always been something that, that I've been drawn to. I just always traveled with a pedal steel guitar instead of a fiddle, and yeah. now I'm trying to get them both together, and yeah. it's it's like magical, yeah, but. Another thing I always I find like amazing is just the fact that people are still able to write new music. So I, I just feel like there's so much out there already. I'm like, I I wouldn't even know where to begin if I were to like try and write write a new song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and honestly, <laughs> yeah. No, those those are just the opening lines to uh, the Stairway to Heaven that you wrote down there, Chase. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean that's that's a that's a true, a true statement because you're like, have we heard stories about moonshiners before? Yeah, have we heard songs about small town, good times, fall in love, you know that kind of stuff? absolutely. So what makes this song different? And it's like, I don't know, maybe it just affects somebody at the right time, yeah. affects them a certain way. So you know it is that's a that's a great question. And I mean as a songwriter, you almost have to be like cognizant of that but the reality is like especially like we're talking about this digital music world that we live in and these rabbit holes that you can go down i'm like man i have found some amazing country music that i had no idea existed Mm -hmm. but at the same point it's like like yeah i don't want to write that song because it's already been written but at the same point you're like you're trying your best to kind of put something together that's going to affect somebody at the right time in the right moment so Mm -hmm. it's a trade-off for sure Man, I heard a childless interview recently where he was like, if I would have known y'all would have been so excited over a song about a belt buckle. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I would have been a richer man much younger or something to yeah. that effect. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just funny what it takes off too, right? It's yep. just interesting. But uh, Everyone asks for that song. Yeah. Yeah, I'm playing uh, All Yorn. Yeah, this yeah. Uh, this year. That's a good one. Too. Yeah, we're gonna try because I don't think we're gonna have the keyboard rolling in it. I think we're gonna try to do our own little arrangement of it. But it's we can kind of be artistic with it yeah. and still play a song that like people who kind of dive down that path will appreciate. So yeah, yeah that's our because uh, yeah you get you go to shows and people are always like play this song, play that song or whatever. Sometimes you feel like a jukebox at the end of the night, but <laughs> yeah. but the whole point is that I'm there to create a moment for other people. So. If if I can play that song, I will play that song, and and that's how the night will go. So, you know, I don't know how many times like I always yeah, think about yeah. it. Like, like does does Garth Brooks really want to play Friends in Low Places anymore? Right? Yeah. Like, does Alan Jackson want to sing Chattahoochee, yeah. or do Brooks and Dunn want to sing the Boot Scootin' Boogie? Like, like at what point do they just say this sucks that I wrote such a monster hit that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of what band it was, but they stopped playing their their hit. I can't remember. It was and it was such a big one too, but they won't play it anymore because they're they're just done of they're done with playing it. I have to Google it. Yeah, no, I've I've actually heard that story. Yeah. yeah, I can't I can't think of who it was, but I've heard that too. I'll learn a new song on the guitar, play it for like. First of all, it takes me like a month to to get like pretty good at playing it like pretty good at my level where i'm happy to like rip it and sing it or whatever and then i'll like hammer the shit out of it for another two weeks three weeks and then i'm like "Ah, i don't really feel like playing this one anymore (laughs) i'm done with this yep it was radiohead with creep yeah yeah there you go that's the one so i couldn't imagine being on tour and, and doing that every night for 
But then you know, at the same like, point, when you look out and you play those first chords yeah. and blame it all on my roots, yeah. I showed up in boots and the place goes nuts and you realize you're like half of your net worth is a result of just playing that song. Yeah, you got to play that song. That's big energy too to feed yeah. off of. That song was sold in a bar. The rights to that song were bought in a bar. I don't know enough of that story, but uh, one of the songwriters, they're sitting there, they wrote this song in the bar, and uh, they thought that they had something, but they had a big bar tab. And so one of the guys didn't have any money. He saw some record execs. They knew this guy named Troil, which is Garth's actual name, was cutting demos, and there was you know, word was getting around that he might cut this song. And so he sold the rights to that song for his $1,200 bar tab or something like that. And I, I don't know if the number is like 20 million or whatever that song has earned. (laughs) He sold it, sold his port, a portion of his share for a $1,200 bar tab. That's a heck of a bar tab though. Like that is friends in low places. Yeah. yeah. When they say like, write about what you know, that guy knows. (laughs) That guy knows. Oh man. Oh, geez. Well, yeah, if he's racking up a $1,200 bar tab, I'm assuming it's not just for himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it was like a <clears throat> built-up in time kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But. yeah. The multi-tab, maybe. <laughs> the multi-tab. Yeah. Well. Well, getting to be that time of night. Yeah. We didn't even do five burning questions. We didn't. I know we didn't. We kind of rolled right through it. Yeah. Well, we didn't re- even really have a start to this. Well, one. I just well, we you know what happened. Quinn started talking. I know. And we just like, all moved in front of our microphones at the same time. Yeah. Like, well, we're on now. So let's get recorded. Maybe we should do a quick five burner right at the end here. <laughs> do you have five questions? I can think of five right <laughs> okay. now. Okay. And um, I might, I might, well, I might know a little bit of this already. or have a pretty good feel of where you're going to go with some of it, but. Uh, uh, first one I'm going to start off with because I'm curious because you are a musician. But if you had one concert to go see, one last concert, who'd you go see? Guy Clark. Guy Clark is oh, a, yeah, a songwriter from uh, from down in Texas, and um, yeah, he's just a guy that that kind of got me got me really focusing on songwriting. And uh, yeah, he's he's an artist that means a ton to to both me and Vanessa. And uh, hmm. hands down, I never got to see him play, and he's passed by now, but. Cool. Yeah, hands down, Guy Clark. Right on. I'll I'll scream. The, uh, I think he writes here. He sings the ride. Is it the ride? No, that uh, is uh, Charlie Daniels Band. No, okay. Who am I? Th- what song? Is that is? Charlie Daniels Band? Drift from me. David Allen. David Allen. Oh, David. Oh. Is it yeah, David yeah, it's Allen? David Allen. Cool. Yeah, yeah. What, what's the one where uh, he meets Hank Williams just outside of Tennessee? And oh, that's Alan Jackson in uh, Midnight in Montgomery. No, 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 no. He invites him back into the into the vehicle for a ride that's yeah that's the song that's yeah. the ride that's right yeah. okay yeah. oh geez and then okay maybe i'm thinking about the one where he buys the the guitar in a pawn shop that's guy clark yes yeah okay yeah, yeah i got it mixed up there for yeah. a second sorry about that yeah What's actually that one? the guitar <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, uh, uh, like talk about it like a storyteller. Yeah, he doesn't buy it though. He it's, it's gifted to him. It's gifted to him because he's like, yeah, his name was on the case. Yeah, right. So it's like this spooky thing about going into a pawn shop and like, how much for that guitar? Why don't you tell me what it's worth? So he plays it down. He just rips on. He's like, he's never played this well before. And then uh, there's a little Charlie Daniels in there, though. Devil goes down to Say, the pawn yeah. shop there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, and uh, yeah, I, it was the, the line leading up to. But I, I looked down, and my name was on the case. Yeah, the dens. And guys got this oh. great way of like, like 
talking in songs. So he can like be singing mm-hmm. and then he goes into a talk and he just when he goes into that talk, like he is driving home a point right then. Like that's the that's a punchline, that's a that's a a nugget of knowledge or something yeah. like that that you need to pay attention to. So that that's unique in, yeah. in his own. Yeah. To be able to pull that off. Um okay, second question here. Uh last meal, last drink, what's it gonna be? Uh, I'm gonna smoke something. I'm gonna smoke something for sure. I, all you guys talk about is smoking meat and stuff, and so I had to go and get a smoker. And, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the stuff that I bought from listening to this podcast, like. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I would smoke something. Um, I I probably haven't gotten. I mean, I've only had it for maybe a year, not even a year yet. So I'm still like tinkering i'd say that i'm still new into it but i love just the process of my favorite is doing ribs that's kind of what i've had the most success consistently is uh is doing ribs so i like we like having people over for dinner and just kind of like putting something nice on for them and and ribs will be what what i make and so that's the that's the family favorite too yeah so ribs um yeah i'm a I'm, it depends on the season. We drink like some nice red wine. Mm-hmm. Canvas back is actually the the brand that I like to drink, um, and it's just this great bottle of wine. It's dang expensive for a guy like me, but we drink it pretty frequently, <laughs> <laughs> more frequently than I want to admit. But yeah, it's a, that's a, that's a drink that uh, that we'd go with. So a red wine and and, uh, and some some nice ribs, glazed up. Uh, smoked ribs and that's, uh that's like a regular saturday night through covid at our house oh, nice. that's a good combo yeah you can uh knock the socks off some folks with a good set of smoked ribs yeah yeah, yeah. that's awesome um <clears throat> i got some bad news around that so the the day or evening that my my son was born early morning um leading up to that yeah. we we had the in-laws down for a big family dinner and uh I had I had done beef ribs on the barbecue. I'd I'd gone out and procured these beef ribs for some unholy reason, the the near the due date of my son, and smoked these things for like eight hours. And uh, we were having them, and my my partner goes into labor. And long story short, she now has developed this aversion to to smoked meat on the barbecue because of like how closely it was associated with their really? lady. So I can't even, I yeah, I can smoke stuff, but she's not gonna like it anymore. So like we've, I've really worked myself into a pickle here with my love of smoking <laughs> barbecued meat here, and uh, yeah, now I'm really behind the eight ball in a lot of ways. <laughs> I'm not sure how I'm going to resolve this, but if if anyone else has encountered this situation, please message us, and we'll we'll have to find a cure or something of that sort. I'm kidding. Yikes. Um, well, hopefully she doesn't get bit by the old North Star tick. Oh yeah, that's right. But that's terrifying. I'm I'm preparing for that and just eating as much meat as I can right now because if I comes comes a time where I can't eat meat, <laughs> it's going to be pretty grim looking for me. <laughs> have you Have you heard about this thing? No. <laughs> no, no, I'm trying to keep up with you guys right now. <laughs> oh, apparently there's this tick out there like, that makes it, you stop eating meat. Yeah, it like makes you allergic to or something. To yeah, this. allergic to proteins and red meat. Whoa. Yeah, it makes you sick. Uh, who wants to go bear hunting now? Yeah, <laughs> just man, just covered in ticks. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's uh, the Lone Star tick, and it's got like a white star on its back, and it's making its way up from the south. Ah, shoot. Yeah. Maybe a cold winter is what we need. Yeah, 
definitely will, will help with the tick yeah. populations. Maybe I'll have to start taking some of those tick pills that the vet gives my dog there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Donald Trump told you, me to do this. <laughs> Mix it with Lysol. <laughs> put it in a snosage treat as well. And yeah. yeah. It, it, it would one work. for you, one for it, me. Yeah. yeah, it would work probably for yeah. me. You're like, oh, I, I don't even notice. Not so bad. Yeah. Uh, question number three. We're going to do either the campfire on the Cinnaboyne or the wood stove in the Citizen Canvas. Man, those are both great. We don't do either ors very often, so this is interesting. I think I think I have to take yeah. the 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 um, the the uh, campfire. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm such a campfire guy, and yeah. But that, I mean, it's always my job to stay up and run that fire. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's <laughs> like you take the family camping, and you're like, you just never sleep because you're just paranoid yeah. that the fire's gonna go out, yeah. and that everyone's gonna wake up cold and whatever, and it's your fault and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it is funny, like especially if we go like three, four nights in a row. Like night one is like, I'm just in my glory. I'm just laying up, looking at the tent and just enjoying this. And then on night three, I'm just like, that's when it goes out. Cause I'm like, yeah. I can't, I can't keep up again, just waiting up to go in and stoke that fire. But yeah, yeah. I love that tent. Yeah. Nice. Uh, question number four. I'm coming up with this one on the fly here. If you could play one last venue, where would you play? In Manitoba? Has to be the Manitou Opera House, only because that um, it's just this beautiful old gem of a venue. But just because of the family history coming from Manitou, I've played yeah. the Opera House, you know, three four times in my career. But it'd be, yeah, that's where I'd go out if I had one one more show to play. It'd be in Manitou just for the Opera House, like, you know, yeah, it's it's probably just because it means something to me. Yeah. I'm kind of a sentimental guy that way too, right? Like, yeah, you know, don't always do something for. For whatever, like it, it has to mean something for me in order to want to do it. Mm -hmm. so. Okay, question number five. And uh, if anyone doesn't hasn't seen Quinn before, he's a pretty burly fella, big beard, stocky, obviously cowboy looking, rides horses, uh, drinks whiskey, but and red wine and red wine. Yeah, were were you on Yellowstone? <laughs> <laughs> Just asking. I haven't seen it, so. Um, What's one fear that you have that you want to conquer? That's a great question. Um, fear, I'm afraid of heights. Um, I'm afraid of small spaces. I'm claustrophobic. Um, as far as fears that I'd want to conquer, I think it'd be pretty sweet to to do like a like a zip line somewhere. Like we've just, that's something that Vanessa and I have talked about before and she's done it in like Costa Rica or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, I just love nature. Like it'd be such a different perspective. I was actually, whatever, I was watching a, a show on um, Chilean condors today, mm. and so just watching them soar and, and whatever. And I, it actually crossed my mind because they're showing it kind of soaring on these mountain ranges from one side to the other as it's learning to fly. And I'm like, looks kind of like a zip line at this moment. I'm like that'd be a neat <laughs> perspective to have. So it's funny you'd ask me that question. That I literally this crossed my mind today at you know. 8.15 while I'm eating breakfast. So you really just want to ride a condor is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd like to ride a condor or a nice zip line across a valley and yeah. just see the top of the canopy instead of like all the time I'm on the ground. But I'm terrified of heights, so I'd never do it. Pamina Valley, there you go. Yeah. I've never been, but I heard. Apparently so. it's great right near Manatee. Yeah, yeah. They got a zip line there, yeah. But uh, 
hit the Opry and then yeah yeah, yeah there you go straight over to the zip <laughs> yeah. line yeah we went on one in Mexico and all you need is a two by four to put the brakes on the <laughs> oh, top so yeah. <laughs> that's all they used really? yeah <laughs> wow yeah there's but yeah not much regulations around that down yeah south. but I did see our good friend there Mark Stenrius from my hunter he's uh, making a zip line out east somewhere on some property that yeah. he has or something like that yeah. for the kids and stuff like that he'd do it right he's pretty meticulous the, yeah. the, the other thing that freaked me out about that mexico story was on the ride back all the guys are giving me the elbow in the in the the taxi ride back they're like hey tristan you should go hunt something in the our tour guide perks up he's like well i don't know if we can hunt anything but what do you want to hunt <laughs> i was like i don't know what's in season and he laughed at me he's like there's no seasons you, you want to shoot something well what do you want to shoot like a pig or something like that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like what I was like, not exactly. I'm there in my flip-flops. I'm not exactly envisioning myself marching out into the the forest just to plug a pig. Yeah. How much (laughs) money you got? I'll go find something. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. That's funny. Uh, Well, Quentin, I got to thank you for coming out, man. And uh, I'm happy that we got to do this one in person. It's it's always, I don't know, just more genuine, just having somebody sit in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. And being able to connect better on that level. Yeah. Look, looking forward to more new music. Um, I don't know if I ever told you this, but uh, the like year after we were kind of introduced to each other, I downloaded a bunch of your music, and then that that Elk Camp was like I called it the for me, anyways, was the the Blues Man Elk Camp because I just sang <laughs> that song the entire time. I was like hiking around. I was like Blues Man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blues Man. <laughs> That's hilarious. And I was like, if I get an elk, it's going to be the Blues Man elk. But it never <laughs> yeah. happened. So, <laughs> actually, pretty, rather unlucky song now that we think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, Quinn, thanks so much, man. It was great to meet you and just had a lot of fun. So, I look forward to following along here in the, as a tour of Manitoba. Hopefully, we'll catch a show or two here, Chase, too, eh? Yeah. Well, hopefully, we'll get a little, a little taste of, uh, of, what you what you do on on Saturday night there, at Torquay? Yeah, looking forward to it. That's the yeah. first show back. Yeah. Who? Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah. I played. Uh, <laughs> my two most recent shows have been uh, um, funerals as of late, so it's kind of one of those oh where it's like, that, yeah, it's it's interesting because you get the call like, do you do that? I'm like, actually, I'm not doing anything else. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. I do that. And so, you know, you kind of like try to honor somebody that you don't know. And just kind of play stuff for the family or whatever. But it'll be fun to go out and tell some stories and, mm-hmm. and be a part of that night. So that's good. And then uh, then the summertime will kick into full gear and we'll maybe get you guys out on some horses there. Oh, man. I love yeah, that. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Yeehaw. Um, before we go, though, tell the good folks where best place to get your music, best place to find you. Everything is, uh, any of your favorite streaming services, that's the best place to find the music. Um, And then QuintonBlair.com is my website. And then um, at QuintonBlair on Instagram, which is my favorite platform. Um, I think I just like the photo element of it. So I kind of got something going on TikTok. I just don't really commit to it enough at all. 
but it's still kind of there if you want to kind of find it. But uh, but probably I, I think the thing that maybe a lot of listeners would appreciate would be that Woodside Outfitters, mm-hmm. which is Woodside underscore Outfitters uh, on Instagram, uh, and it'll be WoodsideOutfitters.ca, and and that's kind of I mean Vanessa's this uh, she's the photographic genius or the photographic eye behind everything, but there's some pretty great uh, captures that she's responsible for. Yeah, and we throw them up there, and it's just such a such a riot to marry music horses and camping it's just like that's like my dream that's what i want to do that's what i'm going to do and uh it'll be hopefully you know it works out mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> regardless if it doesn't work out i'll still be doing it it's just i won't be doing it maybe yeah. professionally <laughs> i'm i'm banking on it working out so just <laughs> yeah yeah you got a, you, you got our vote i think so yeah beauty awesome well thanks again man yeah thanks so much for having me i'm such a fan of the podcast since like before we met so it was yeah neat awesome good stuff All right, let's do it. All right, guys, if you've been listening to this podcast for long, you know that iHunter has been a supporter of this podcast and us here at Panoramic Outdoors. You also know that iHunter is one of our favorite tools that we have in our pack, in our pocket, actually, every time we hit the field. Not only is it in our pocket, but it's literally everywhere we go with us because it's on our phone. And if you don't know what iHunter is, head over to iHunter.com or download the app on your phone. iHunter is Canada's all-in-one hunting app, providing you with high-quality satellite imagery on your phone everywhere you go. Beyond that, they have instant messaging, so you can message your buddies, current weather forecasts, waypointing, tracking, public land maps, landowner maps, and everything you need in a mapping device throw the old gps in the bin and uh, everything you need is literally on your phone with this app if you're interested in getting some public land maps for a discount head over to the website web.ihunterapp.com type in the promo code panoramic30 for 30 percent off your first public land purchase check them out now you won't regret it And that was episode 122, folks. Thanks again for listening in. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did. Tristan, final, final thoughts on that episode? Uh, Like I said, aside from being able to sit down in person and and see an actual person across from us doing their their thing, that was the first time I met Quentin. And it was actually kind of shocking to me in some ways that we hadn't crossed paths before because just... Super cool guy, and I'm excited to see what he's coming out, not just musically, but with the the whole uh, backcountry horse experience and camping. And he, he seems like we're on the same page on, on so many levels there. So uh, I'll definitely be following along here on, on the journeys for him and the family there. Yeah, man, that, that's exciting stuff. I, I think uh, draw towards uh, the cowboy scene, even though I, I'm far from one it's super cool to see him doing it and to know somebody that's doing it. And, uh, I hope I get out there and, and to live it for a day and, and see what he's all about. So besides that quick store update for y'all, we got new flex foot fit camouflage hats in store. We've got small, medium, and uh large to extra large in store, uh, online panoramic outdoors.com along with, a fresh supply of all your catch and cook products. We have all the coatings, the beer batter, the flame, and the crunchy, along with the spices, the all-terrain, the whiteout, and the 
campfire, I believe it's called. Mm. Smoke salt. Okay. That's good stuff. Anyways, you can pick that up all online at our store. And uh, if you want to save yourself some money on shipping, always use the pickup option if you want as well. So order some gear, order some catch and cook, panoramicoutdoors.com. It's where you find it. Yeah, what what better better package arriving than a, you know, a nice fresh hat and a little fish batter. Hey, hey man. Fish, fish coating. It's spring. It's going to be, people are going to be on the walleye here real fast and you're going to need something to fry that walleye up and like, don't, you want to eat that walleye fresh. You don't want to be catching it and trying to find something to cook it in. Yeah. Right. It's catch and cook, not catch and search. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I almost wouldn't be surprised if the, there's a shortage to just knowing how things have gone these past couple of years and then how much people have been fishing. Oh man. Really? Fishing's been increased and uh imports have decreased so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it seems get like catch and cook get yep. your hats wear a little uv protection out there yeah yeah like i said in the past like we've we've had to struggle getting our gear into the store as well so um it's nice to get some fresh hats in that's for sure anyways once again don't forget to check out quentin blair's music uh Check him out on all the the social platforms and uh, pre-order his new single, $20 Bottle. Uh, It's coming out May 16th. Check it out on iTunes or all your streaming platforms. 